Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. We're all sex mad, aren't we? Because it's Valentine's Day. Why? Why do people think that Valentine's Day, we go bonk crazy? There's probably people lying in bed at the moment going, you are having a laugh, aren't you? I mean, who's interested in that kind of thing? I would much rather have some tuck biscuits with some cheese and some pickle on it than indulge in your anky-panky. Thank you very much indeed. I mean, stop it. Get off. We don't want to do any of that kind of thing. You don't need to do it just on the Feb the 14th. I mean, I did it, I think. When did I do it last? 1983. I remember it distinctly. I was standing in a bus shelter in Bournemouth waiting for a night bus and it went downhill after that, I'm afraid. Uh, The celeb pets fueling the illegal trade in French bulldogs. That's the latest must have. So uh, many of these poor creatures are brought in. They're quite, uh, quite ill, many of them. Uh, and they and they die. But of course, the people who traffic these dogs couldn't really care less. I like the decorator find for parking his van outside his house. And you know why? It's because of the story we told you ages ago of this housing estate. And they said, you know, you can buy a house on the housing estate, but you can't park your work vehicle outside the house because there's nothing worse. I mean, really, I mean, come on, be brutally honest. You know, you go onto an estate and uh, they go, we've got a couple of houses left. And then you see, you know, white vans parked up on the drive. No, thank you. No, we're going by somewhere else. You really don't want to do that, do you? I mean, it's because you've got a feeling that they're going to have ladders out there and paint and, you know, all sorts of boarding and everything. So you wouldn't want to do it. Anyway, this bloke totally ignored it. He thought he was being clever. Unfortunately, of course, it was written into the actual contract. So he's been fined five and a half thousand pounds. He just ignored it. Now he's made himself look like a ripe buffoon, I'm afraid. That uh, dreary little Jane Park the other day, you know, oh, I won the lottery, it ruined my life going to complain to Camelot, going to take him to court. As we pointed out to the poor creature the other day, it's the government, Parliament, who actually set the, uh, the age you can buy a ticket. Uh, and of course, it's, uh, it's, it's only really for intelligent people, the lottery, if you're not really particularly intelligent. And she went out, she had to buy designer clothes. She had to go to the Maldives on holiday. Well, someone thought Clacton would have been better suited for her. She preferred going to Benidorm because nobody looked down their noses at you. No, because they were all face down in the gutter, that's why, in Benidorm. Because it's the home of the drunk, isn't it? And she obviously said, you know, she she did say in one of her interviews that uh, you can't get off your face in the Maldives, proving what a complete idiot she really must be. Uh, Violent jail bird, although I don't think he's had the op yet, Charles Bronson, has asked his actress girlfriend to marry him. Woo! That's exciting, isn't it? Not really. Miserable old David Beckham flies out of an airport. I mean, it could be anywhere. It really could be anywhere. They must have clocked up more free air miles than anybody else. That's all they do. They fly out the airport, into the airport, out the airport into the airport, out the airport, into the airport. And that's all they do. They don't seem to do anything. And he looks as miserable as sin. God, I mean, why doesn't he just stay in America for a bit longer? You know, stay... We, we don't need you over here. Don't don't worry. There isn't anything going on that affects you. Or there might be, actually. Uh, Gary Barlow fails to shine. People not taking to the programme. Twisted Karen Matthews is planning to flee Britain for a new life in Spain. Where's that money coming from, darling? How are you affording to do that? That I would be very intrigued to find out. And you know the people who own those little cabins down at the beach where they sit there thinking they bought a Barrett home or something like that? And uh, you can't sleep in these things overnight. But you can obviously sleep during the daytime because some of them are, some of them are super duper and they cost an awful lot of money and some of them are averagely super duper. And you've got enough you know, room to make a, a pot of tea or something like that. You take your sandwiches down there and people sit there and it, it becomes, you know, as, as one, of, one of the women said, I think she pays 1,500 quid rent a year 
for hers, which seems very cheap to me. Um, uh, she said it's, it's because we can't afford holidays abroad. And so she sits there staring out to see what's, what's actually happened is that the council have decided to build more huts right in front of hers. So her sea view has gone. She's, she's, she, she doesn't have the sea view anymore. And I thought, well, you know, wh- wh- why should other people be deprived of having one? I'd love one of those little huts. They've got them down at Brighton. Most seaside resorts, I think, have them. And some are quite big and some people... You use them for changing because you don't really want to stand on the beach, do you, pulling your pants down to put on your little Speedos. I mean, that's not the kind of thing you want to do. And so you have the little hut... And then you can go in there. Some of them have got like a couch, which which doubles up as a as a bed. And uh, I, I quite fancy that idea. But this this the, all these people here are absolutely furious. You know, I mean, absolutely furious at their building of these huts in front of them. But there again, you know, the council. Where else are they going to put them? There isn't anywhere else. There isn't anywhere else at all. Uh, the over fifties are the fittest. Psh, what did I tell you? Fit, 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 fit. And Lionel Blair is 88 over there, Lionel Blair. And uh, he claims he's won his cancer battle. 88, good Lord. Uh, Waitrose has had to drop the British labels on some of their lamb meals because they're not British at all. It's New Zealand lamb. It's a bit dishonest, isn't it? We had the other day with Tesco. Honestly, I thought we could trust our supermarkets. I want to. I don't want to sort of see things. And they go, Do you remember when we had the horse meat rubbish? And people going, of course, you know, the uh, the place where they put all this stuff together, it contains horse meat to bulk it out. And you go, oh, we're eating horse meat. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know, it didn't affect me uh, at all. I had no, no, no uh, interest in sort of horse meat. And so uh, the French eat it all the time. So it can't be that bad, can it? It's just an, and the Italians eat it. It's just it's just another meat. Mind you, the Chinese eat kitten. Come on, I've seen cat restaurants in uh, in Ch- mind you. I mean the the uh, the only legs they don't eat is a table leg. Apparently in China, they say if it moves, it's edible. It's only because we over in the West are sort of going, oh, it's a little pussy cat, it's a little kitten. No, they sit. It's like you know we don't go, oh look, it's a cow. Oh bless it, let's look after the cow. No, people people eat food, and uh, I suppose it actually shows great variety. But personally, having seen Michael Palin in a a snake restaurant in, I forget where he went to, actually, Shanghai, I think, and they bring the snake out and put it on the floor, and it moved. I thought, no, no. Then the next time they saw it, it was fricasseed and shredded and all sorts of things done with it. See, I can't do that. It's because I know what it is. It's like if somebody gave me a duck and said, there you go, uh, you can have that as crispy duck, I go, I couldn't kill it. Somebody else will have to kill it for me and do all that. I can't do that. It's like I can't eat octopus. Is it octopus? Whatever they, it comes in, it's got little tentacles and little suckers on it. And um, squid. Ooh. See, I can't do anything like that. It's because it looks like the animal. And, uh, and people go, yeah, of course you can eat it. I go, no, I really can't. I promise you, I can't. But uh, so that, that's why, you know, eating all this food, we do like to see it labelled properly. I mean, if it's got horse in it, put it's got horse in it. Because quite clearly we were eating it. It didn't, didn't make any difference at all, did it? Uh, what was the other one? Oh, the... Um, Top of your TV crush list. Who you fancy on television? Who do you fancy on television? And the answer is Pip Schofield and Carol Vorderman. They are, they are top of the list of people that you fancy on television. Because the trouble is, I think you'd be really disappointed if you met everybody on television. Because you'd be going, oh, right, you're not as good. I mean, I, I watch these 8 out of 10 cat uh, programmes and uh, the comedy programmes. And I quite like them, actually. Sometimes they're very, very funny. Some people are actually funnier on these programmes than they are on their own act. And that's why I quite like it. And then other people try too hard. 
and they're the people who fail miserably. Uh, Shami Chakrabarti and uh, that bloke Shiner show why Labour's in such trouble at the moment. Really dreadful. I don't know what's the matter with Shami Chakrabarti. She seems to pronounce things without engaging her brain. The other day she was talking about this, uh, this Mr Shiner, you know, the one who'd been making things up. Uh, against British troops, and she went. He was. He was just. Um, what did she say? She didn't say misguided. About he was just basically having a bad day, kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, you're just saying things to sort of demonstrate to people that you're not in the real world, or you're not reading the newspaper, or you're not aware of anything. Shami Chakrabarti was always a bore, as far as I was concerned. I was never a fan. She was the self-appointed head of Liberty. I couldn't wait to start you know, sort of preaching to us. And frankly, I don't want to be preached to. I don't like being preached to. I do it on a radio programme, but that's completely different. You know, but all this sort of nonsense with the House of Lords. That dam in America, God, that was a bit worrying, isn't it? It turned out that the bit that was that was in danger of collapsing had never been used before. It was it was sort of an, it was meant to be sort of an extra slipway for water if it got a bit too high. They didn't realise that, you know, too 100,000 gallons of water, I think a 30-foot-high wall, was going to pour down this thing, and it just wasn't wasn't up to it. So 200,000 people, surprisingly, uh, head out as quick as possible. Uh, they say, if, if this, I mean, you look at the speed of this water, and if that then had access to all the people who are living in its path, there would be huge, it would be a total disaster. But you look at the water coming down, and the area just cannot handle it. I mean, it's so much water. You know, when you look at it, it's like looking at the power of a volcano, the power of a tsunami. And you never quite get it, do you? You look at the tsunami and you've probably looked at the films as I've looked at the films of tsunamis and uh, people are standing there in the water and they look out to sea and there's a little wave, a little wave. And they go, oh, I wonder what that is. And other people who might have seen something similar going out, get out, get out, get out, because by the time it gets into shore, this thing is just pushing everything in its path. I mean, it's just completely annihilating everything. And yet when you first look at it, it's teeny tiny. It's a little wave. It's a sort of a seismic shock under the ocean. And then that just builds up. And we've seen the disasters. It's like volcanoes. And, and you look at, at the power of a volcano, you know, when Mount St. Helens erupted. And they, I've seen all the pictures on the, on the, uh, the YouTube of exactly what happened. First of all, a little, little fissure appears and then it's a little bit of smoke. And then the next thing, it's it's going hell for leather because we don't know what's going on under our feet. I've got no idea. There might be a volcano underneath this studio. Unlikely, admittedly, unlikely. But, I mean, it could be something. You know, it's it's it, you just don't know, do you? And then people live in, in the shadow of, uh, of volcanoes and they go, well, it's been fine for the last 200 years. And you think, you speak too soon. And, of course, they do, and the blooming thing erupts, and people are going, run for your lives. It's not so much the uh, the eruption, it's the pyroclastic cloud that comes with it that can sort of kill people. And I've seen all the films about it, and I watch real-life volcanoes, and you look at the way it houses in their path, it just vanish. They just vanish under this stuff, and you can't do anything with it. It's just absolutely awful. But uh, that's what happens, isn't it? You get these sinkholes that open up, even in this country. Sinkholes, that's where a little underground stream is eroded and eroded and eroded and eroded, and all of a sudden the road just caves in. Buses disappear into it. Ridiculous. Uh, 84850, uk. Nana says, what's all this nonsense for 14th of Feb? You should do nice things together all year round. Yes, I agree. I, I agree, actually. It's, I, mean, you should, I don't understand why it's got to be Feb the 14th. I really don't understand why you have to have this one day of the year where you go out and buy roses. And they're everywhere. You can't escape it. 
it's commercially, you know, the biggest thing that they get next to Christmas, bonfire night and a few other a few other things like that. I think we should have National Divorce Day. You know, celebrate the fact you managed to get rid of the person you've really fallen out of love with and couldn't care less. But, um, you know, this this Valentine's Day thing, it's even Poundland jumping on the action. Even Poundland jumping on the action of sort of, you know, a cheap rose or something like that. But, oh, the Halloween stuff. It, see, the trouble is, I think that, you know, Poundland is geared, you know, to children. It's for children. Children go in there and they buy the Halloween stuff and they buy... Although our Poundland's a bit naughty. They had some dolls in there, you know, like girls playing with dolls. And and I thought, oh, that'll be quite nice for a quid. And then you look at it, it's £8. Well, it's not Poundland, is it? It's like charity shops. You know, much as I applaud what charity shops do, how many of them buy stuff in? Look in the windows, you'll see little trinket boxes and things like that. They're all made abroad, which I thought really affects their charitable status. You know, I'm not happy about things like that. Uh, still to come, the ex-video rental boss. He's suing 900 people for unpaid fines from 20 years ago. He went bust. They didn't pay the fines. And so he's now decided that he's going to sue them. So he sent letters out, which is good, isn't it? Uh, the Met chief who says we can't find enough armed officers. And the good news is there's no more plastic in cotton buds. Yes, Johnson's cotton buds are going to do away with the plastic stem bit. Because, I mean... Do you use both ends of the cotton bud? You know it's cotton bud on either end. Do you use one end or not the other end? Because, I mean, do you ever turn it... No, maybe not. Let's not worry about it, shall we, this morning. There's bigger things to think about, like how many cards you didn't get and how many people haven't phoned you up and said that they absolutely adore you and will be delighted to kind of make your day. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Michael Flynn has uh, resigned as Donald Trump's national security adviser. I was listening to an interview with him uh, earlier on. He was saying, oh, he'd been picked on and bullied and all the rest of it. And uh, General Keith Kellogg has been, <laughs> make up your own jokes, named acting US national security adviser following the resignation of Michael Flynn. What do you do if you resign? I mean, over here, I think if you resign and get kicked out, you end up in the House of Lords. Because that seems to be the place where all the old buffers go, isn't it? They're, robes and all the rest of it. It's just, it's just a bit creepy, I think. It's very dated. I quite like dated. I quite like history. I like the pomp and the circumstance and the way that we sort of do things. Um, but at the same time, it is a bunch of old duffers, isn't it, really? I mean, there's not really many people you'd want to invite round for a, for a breakfast. Imagine Keith Kellogg. I bet he's related to the Kellogg family. He's got to be. It's such an unusual name. Such an unusual name. He's probably sort of twice-removed third cousin... East Wing or something, I don't know. But uh, it's such an unusual name, isn't it? You know, if you hear of somebody called, I don't know, Windsor, you start thinking, oh, hello. Hello, could be. Uh, Trevor says, gone very quiet on Bruce Forsyth. We need to find out how the old boy is doing. Uh, well, apparently OK at the moment. Mind you, having said that, you know, it sometimes goes the, uh, the other way, doesn't it? Sometimes goes the other way. But no, he seems to be OK at the moment. I also thought that the other day. I thought, I mean, I wake up in the morning and I sort of check the news hoping that there's not going to be uh, anything that, you know, I don't really want to read about in the paper, like losing somebody else. I think that's uh, that's awful. Uh, Ian says, if somebody's a celeb, would their Rolls Royce be their work vehicle? God, I, I, I could count on one hand how many celebrities have got Rolls Royces. They don't they don't have Rolls Royces. They, they really don't. I, I can literally count. Michael Winner had one. Um, who else? Paul Daniels had one. Um, and in the terms of celebrities, I, mean, I can't think of anybody else. You just don't don't see people with them, and also uh, you wouldn't be it wouldn't be your work vehicle, but it would be tax deductible. 
because you'd be using it to go to uh, openings and stuff like that. Yeah, but a lot of people, if it's a celebrity, they, they rent the vehicles. There's loads of car hire places that will rent you Rolls Royces, which come with a chauffeur because they're not going to trust you to drive it because there are idiots who go out there and borrow Lamborghinis and stuff like that or Ferraris. And because they're only used to driving a Prius or a Cinquecento, they, uh, they have no idea how a powerful car works. You have to learn how to drive one. It's quite, it's quite tricky, actually, and especially when you're dealing with a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or a Phantom or something like that. There's a way of driving them. You can't just get in it and think it's your little poop-poop car that you drive your little girlfriend around in. It's not like that at all, with your little sticky sort of dark windows on there. I love it. I'd be having a field day out there in the morning. You know, you, you get the, the little boy racers. They, they generally don't have girlfriends, it has to be said. Not, not because they, uh, they can't, you know, it's because they haven't got any money. Because they spent it all on doing stuff on the car, like sort of jacking up the back of it and putting lights underneath to illuminate the road, which is quite sweet, isn't it? But they do put these dark films over the windscreen. And the police have got a little machine now, and it tells you if it's too dark. And most of them look too dark. They, they, they can't see so at night time, they have to have their windows open so you can listen to the, the music that they're playing, mainly the carpenters, because they're, they're, they're fairly camp, these little boy racers. They go around leering out the window, Ella, darling, they go to the girls. <coughs> I just ignore them. And, um, and so they, the police go around and they, they check this film and then they make them peel it off. Because you can just peel it off. You just, it's because it's put on as a little extra. I don't know why they bother doing it. And they do it, not just here, but they do it everywhere else. I saw an Australian police programme the other day. They're so polite, the police in Australia. And so, uh, sorry, mate, we're just checking your uh, your tyres. I've noticed that they're they're bald. And uh, and you also have uh, 12 demeritus points, is what they actually call it, uh, on your licence. And uh, let me just, can I borrow your licence? OK, let me just go and check on that. Ah, sorry, mate, it's come back. The, your day's not getting any better. They're always very polite. He says, uh, your, your licence has expired. There's no tax on the vehicle and you're wanted for armed robbery. And they go, um, would you like to come to the police station with us? Like the bloke's going to go, I don't think so, no. And so they, you know, would you like to put your hands behind your back? I've got a, got a handcuff you, mate. And they're very polite to them. Very polite, unless they're on drugs, in which case they sort of drag them screaming. Uh, I've uh, volunteered on the till of a hospice charity shop for the past 10 years and nothing's bought in, everything is donated. Uh, they occasionally give any ends of lines... Uh, which come under the headline of bric-a-brac, says Joan. Yes, no, I wasn't talking about uh, hospice shops. I'm talking about the big charities uh, on the high street who do buy stuff in. You can see it, you know, candle holders, and, and they're not donated. These, these are items that are bought in, so not so good. Nana says, yes, it's the way the animal is treated before the kill. The Far East treat their animals despicably. Well, when we lived in Hong Kong, we used to see people cycling with probably about 50 chickens tied on a bamboo pole. They'd have it over their shoulder, and they'd have them all tied by their legs, so they thought they were on a funfair ride. They had no idea, no idea where they were going to. And then it was not unusual to see in the, uh, in the markets chickens in cages. What do you think they can do, run around? Of course not. You know, it's, it's, it's seen as differently. I mean, I've said to you before that if you, if you went to, a, to an abattoir, you'd probably turn vegetarian overnight. Because it's one thing seeing, you know, a piece of fillet steak in a little polystyrene box with some cling film over the top of it, to seeing the animal hanging upside down, you know, whilst they sort of dissect it. I mean, I've, I've seen it. The chickens, of course, they say, they've got no idea. Sheep and chickens. Sheep are dumb as anything. This way. Come on, where are we going? Where are we going? Come on. Yeah, come on. It's all fun down here. Woo. Wait a minute. Something's not right. And, uh, and the chickens, as I say, they've got this huge chicken processing plant, which can do something like two million chickens a week. 
And there's people who sit there and the chicken comes in and they hang it upside. The chickens still think they're on the funfair ride. And so they, they put on this thing with their legs and off they go. And they say, where are we, where are we, this is fun. Here we go. Whee! And off they go and they sort of go on this roundabout thing and then they get electrocuted and then their heads come off and it's all, it's all automated. And so that's the way it is. But we don't think that, do we? We just go out there and buy a roast chicken and we just automatically think they arrive with their legs tucked underneath them and stuff like that. But yet, if we were really thinking about it, you know, some, some countries eat the heads. They don't think anything about that at all. Whereas here, can you imagine if you went to Marks and Spencer or Waitrose and the, and the cooked chicken still had the heads on, we'd be going, what's that? They'd be going, it's its head. No! And yet, you go to Waitrose and they've got duck feet for sale and stuff like that, and people eat that. I personally wouldn't. I don't know why. I'm obviously way too squeamish to do this this kind of stuff, but people eat loads of different things. Loads of different things. I mean, let's face it, to a vegetarian, I'm probably a heathen. I eat sausages, I eat steak, I eat all these kind of things. And vegetarians are going, meat is murder, meat is murder. And they're going, well, it, absolutely, I wouldn't be eating it while it was still alive. That's why it's the only way I can eat it, I'm afraid. And, and it's, it's terrible, really, isn't it? We're, we're very intolerant of other people, very intolerant of what other people eat. But personally speaking, there are certain things I wouldn't eat. And one of them would be snake. I don't know why, it just doesn't... Appear. I'm sure it's delicious. I'm sure it's absolutely delicious. And if I was starving somewhere in the jungle and somebody sort of pitched up with this and, and made it into something... I've seen one of these survival programmes on, on the telly where they have to actually kill their own food on the island. They have to catch it and then kill it. And you think, I think I would actually starve. I, th I think I would absolutely... I would absolutely starve. There's no other way that I, I could be able to manage things like that. Uh, Valentine's Day, Steve, is overrated. I'm here with my cat, Bob, and he's helping me pick my lottery numbers. It involves cat treats and lots of bits of paper with number on. He normally gets very bored before, before we get to choosing the lucky stars, but I keep him at it. That's Dave and Bob the cat. <laughs> I love, actually, isn't it funny? We, 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 we played on the programme last week. We played Fantasy Lottery, which is where you pretend... You've won, say, thirty-two million pounds. You can do this over over a weekend, or in fact, you can do it any day you like. And and then you fantasize over how you're going to spend the money. You fantasize over, you know, if you've got thirty-two million, would you buy a house in London? Uh, yes. And um, and then would you sort of invite somebody to live with you? Yes, probably because it's a bit of company. Not that I bother about company in the slightest. Believe you me. Sometimes it's a blessing to be single, even on Valentine's Day. And um, and and then what, what would you do? Would you go on a world cruise? Yeah, but I don't want to dress up for it. I don't want to have to put a dinner jacket on. It's naff. Makes me look like a waiter in an Italian restaurant, you know. Well, I don't. Well, I mean, I did look at a at a flat the other day. I say looked at it. I mean, obviously, I didn't have the money. It was in Charing Cross Road, above Foyles, the bookshop, which is just up past, um, heading out to where sort of Crossrail is, where they've sort of at the bottom of Tottenham Court Road. And um, it was above the, uh, the Foyles bookshop. And, and I looked at it, I thought, that's quite nice. Because if you go to Knight Frank's website, type in Central London, and it starts at like 55 million and then rapidly goes to... So I'm on page four by this time. And it was 11 million pounds for this flat. Above a bookshop! Above a bo 11 million pound flat. There's a lovely house in Westminster. It's one of those big old mansions. 23 million. Which is great from the outside, but I better look inside. Because they, they, you, you click on the, the pictures and it shows you the interior. And whilst the hallway is, is the same as it was, they've modernised it. It looks horrid. Horrid. I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. But I have seen some very nice ones. But uh, you're right. 32 million is not going to get you a whole heap of things, is it? But, it but, but the big question is, would you stop work? 
would you actually stop work on 32? You'd be bored out of your tiny. You would be bored out of your tiny. I might have to cut down on the number of days I do just so I could sort of, you know, have sort of a bit of a weekend or perhaps do it the other way around. I don't know. You, you fantasise over it. But as a friend of mine said yesterday, don't worry, it's never going to happen. I said, listen, you've got to hope. You've got to hope. That's the whole idea about it, isn't it? You know, you sort of quite, quite like the idea that they're going to contact you and go, you've won a million. And you go, is that all? Because a million's not, not, you can't do anything really with a million pounds. I mean, you, you, all right, you, you can buy yourself a flat, but, pfft, you know, if you're an 18-year-old and you win a million, that's not much, is it, really? You're not going to do a lot with that. Mind you, it's great if you're 90, uh, because, you know, a million pounds is certainly going to see you out for the rest of your life, isn't it? That's quite nice. I don't want to say that to you, just in case there is a 90-year-old who has just won a million pounds. You know, might be. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Well, I keep looking at this water which is coming out of this dam. The more you think, my God, the power of water. I love the way that there are tables and chairs that you can sit out there and watch the water going. Perhaps take a cup of tea, but it, there's certainly tons of it. Certainly tons of it. Michael Flynn, as you now know, has resigned. He was Donald Trump's national security adviser. And uh, he stepped down. They've got a replacement. It's odd, isn't it, really? These sort of. I, the more I see Trump, the more I don't like Trump. But there again, it doesn't make any difference to me. I don't live in America. That's not my sort of problem until it interferes with life over here. They're already working out uh, when he's coming over. They're trying to fix dates up, I believe, at the moment. So it doesn't matter what anybody says about it. He's definitely coming and he will be addressing Parliament or not. But what they'll try and do, I'm told, is they'll make sure he comes over here when Parliament's in recess. So that way nobody loses face. They don't have to say anything. Which, in your opinion, says Diana, is more prestigious, a Rolls-Royce or a Bentley? Well, it depends which, which Rolls-Royce it is. You know, if, if you're looking at an early Rolls-Royce, well, then, you know, you can get really early. I mean, really early ones, 1950s, 40s, things like that, which are the really big things that would be driven, you know, by a chauffeur. You wouldn't drive that yourself. Uh, prestigious now, a Rolls-Royce Phantom. I like... I think given out of actually everything, I would love a Rolls Phantom. I think that, you know, if, if I could afford one, then I would buy one. Because that, that, that would be quite nice. I mean, I'd, I don't... I've never driven one, actually. I've, I've sat in a Ghost before, which I quite liked. Uh, but it doesn't look as good as a Rolls Royce Phantom. A Rolls Royce Phantom looks more like Lady Penelope's car. And you could probably get it done in the, uh, the colour as well. So for prestige, probably a Rolls, a Rolls Royce Phantom. You can get... You know, loads of different Rolls Royces. You can pick up Rolls Royces cheaply. You know, same as you can pick up uh, Bentleys cheaply. It depends on what sort of Bentley you want. You know, you can pick up, I should imagine, a, a second-hand Rolls Royce, five grand, something like that. It isn't so much buying it. The problem is not the buying it. The problem is maintaining it. You know, when you go in for a service, it's sometimes, you know, if things go wrong, they cost a lot of money. You know, all sorts of things can go wrong on them. And because they're so, they're actually so sort of complicated. But if you look at, see, there's a Phantom here, which is, uh, which is an 05 register at the top. And they're looking for, eight, it's got 86,000 miles. They're looking for 87 grand. Um, it looks quite nice, actually. It does look quite nice. Um, in fact, it looks very nice, doesn't it? They're always, they're, I mean, look, I'm sorry. They just look nice. I mean, I can imagine driving down the motorway in that. That would be very, very nice indeed. Finished in grey. I think that colour there is like a, sort of a tungsten or something like that. It's not unsimilar to the colour on my car. But uh, they've got also, there we go. I've got a silver serif here for 49 grand. You know, if you're spending 50 grand... Oh, I've also got a Rolls-Royce Dawn, 
at 269,000. That's a 2016 reg. A Rolls-Royce Silver Shadow for 12 grand. Another Silver Shadow, Flared Arch, 14 grand. So you you can find them relatively inexpensive, relatively inexpensive, but it's the running of it. You know, and also you're looking at tyres at 250 quid, you know, each. If only you could get a set for that price. Uh, Petrol, just the same as running any other, um, you know, nice car. No difference at all. When I've asked people who've got BMWs how much they spend filling it up, they say roughly the same as uh, as I do. It depends how often you drive the thing. That's what it comes down to. And you learn it. Everyone is different. I've said to you before that every single car you drive is different. Even if you're driving a Prius or a Cinquecento or a Ford Ka. I love that. Um, you know, they all drive differently and you get used to it. They've all got little idiosyncrasies that go along with it. You know, they might. I mean, I now know how to put air in the tyres. You might think this is a bit of a surprise, but I promise you, because the inlet is sort of tucked inside, you've got to put an extender on it, which is the right pain in the rear end to put uh, to put air in. So you, you fill up. A, you need to put a pound in in the garage for air. Because otherwise you'll never you'll never do it in about three minutes. You have to go around taking the extender off, putting it on the other tyre. And, uh, and you just learn different things that go wrong with it. You just you just know. You can tell when you drive it if it needs a service. And, and also in the cold weather. Mine didn't like the cold. Well, it doesn't like the cold weather. Freezing, freezing cold weather, it really doesn't. It needs to sort of warm up a little bit. But uh, yesterday, because it was actually quite a nice day. Yesterday was sort of... I thought yesterday was actually really quite pleasant. Not as cold as it has been. Oh, and I, f- I think I've solved the problem. You know, on the on the patio, uh, I've got all these terracotta pots with earth in. So I've taken all the plants out, and it turns out that it's the rooks who go into the pot. They're looking for grubs. So they kick the earth out of the pot. So you can go out there and find earth all over the place. So yesterday, I thought, right, right. Now, barring sitting out there with a machine gun and mowing these rooks down, I'm going to put something in the pot which is going to put them off windmills. So I bought nine windmills, not huge windmills. They were only from the pound shop. So it cost me cost me three pounds. Uh, and I put these little windmills in there and I came out this morning. No earth anywhere. So this this either worked. And now I want to get bigger ones. So I went on to Amazon and I typed in windmills and up comes 25 for 599. I thought that's good. Came in a box. So I ordered them and I thought that's and they're, and they're actually metallic windmills. I thought that that'll frighten rooks off. They don't like things like that. And uh, and so I ordered them and then I thought I hadn't read it properly. Here you go. Foil windmills uh, that those they, those weren't the ones I went to the uh, to the there you go. Twenty five windmills. And you look at them and you think I'll buy those five ninety nine. What are they? They're little tiny ones for putting in glasses for cocktails. They're not, they're not big windmills at all. And the only reason I knew that, and I had to cancel the order, is because if you go down, it tells you... Uh, wait a minute. Uh, but yeah, up, 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 up a little bit. It's only because I then read it. Yeah, windmill theme, assorted colour, Seymour product details. Windmill, and, and it, it tells you that they're little tiny things for putting in glasses. I mean, and I thought, well, a fat lot of blooming use they're going to be. Look, small foot flower windmill display, set of 24, 21 pound. Because I'm hoping that eventually I can drive these blooming birds away with windmills. Is it old CDs? Oh, really? I can't hang old things like that. It makes me look like a council house, the kind of stuff like that. It happens above. I take the point, though, because they do go in the wind, don't they, and things like that. I thought windmills are sort of the way forward. As I say, it's either that or a shotgun. I haven't quite worked out which it will be. 
But uh, these ones are 24 shimmery flower windmills attractively displayed in a green styrofoam box. I wonder where they come from. I bet they're not made in Widnes in Cheshire, are they? You can just tell. Uh, batteries required? No. Batteries included? No. Well, that's why they wouldn't have batteries. I do like party bubbles, though. Perhaps I could sit out there with party bubbles. That'd be quite fun. 24 bubbles for £3.54. How lovely. How lovely. Yes, you can get stuff in an hour. A friend of mine and me went out for breakfast the other morning, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he ordered something. The time he got home, it was there. It's really quick. They must have depots all over the place to get stuff in an hour. That's if you've got uh, Amazon Prime, isn't it? Yeah. I have Amazon. Oh, Hackney. I wouldn't be getting to Twickenham, I don't think, anytime soon. But I think there must be something West London. But uh, I've got Amazon. I love Amazon Prime. So you don't pay, pay for delivery. It just makes it... I know people complain about delivery prices and everything else, but it makes it easier, doesn't it, if you want something and you want it quick. I always order. In fact, I ordered some stuff on Amazon yesterday. Do you know you can get your groceries from Amazon? A friend of mine gets his, his groceries from Amazon now. He used to use a Cardo, then he used Tesco, and uh, now he uses Amazon. And it's there really fast. I mean, it's so clever. So clever. I don't really mind that the staff are overworked. I look on that as a bonus. As far as I'm concerned, the faster you work, the happier you'll be and, uh, and the more benefits you'll be getting at the end of the day, knowing that we've been satisfied with our purchases. Because when you think about it, you can actually get your stuff delivered quicker than you could walk around a supermarket, buy it all and go through the checkout. I mean, that's how that's how good stuff is nowadays. Uh, they've got a revamped lineup of Top Gear. Why bother? Why bother? Nobody's watching it. Nobody's watching. Ever since Matt LeBlanc came in, honestly, an actor who was in Friends about 500 years ago, and they put him in there thinking he would be a replacement for the three originals. Not. Not. So they've got this this lineup which is in the papers today. To be honest with you, I didn't watch it last time round. I watched the new Top Gear because I like the uh, the way that they all get on together. And quite clearly, somebody somewhere has chucked Amazon, I suspect, have chucked a load of money at it and, it and it shows. Whereas, in fact, I'm not interested in American actors presenting British television programmes. I'm really not. Makes me a very bad person, I know. But I was never a huge fan of Matt LeBlanc. I didn't even like Friends. I must have been the only person who never took to Friends. The idea of, you know, these sort of 30-something people all living in a flat together. And not once did you see them in their pyjamas. I mean, what do they do? They, perhaps they don't bath. or in a, I wasn't even convinced that this, this flat had a bathroom. And then they started having relationships. And I thought, aren't you a bit old all to be living in, a, in the same flat? It was all a bit ghastly. I didn't like it. Uh, Adele let slip. More four-letter filth. She can't actually have a conversation, but she very kindly gave away her, um, her award to uh, Beyoncé. Which was lovely. She said, no, hers was the was the better album. God, we don't want that kind of thing happening, do we, at the award ceremonies? So the best actor goes to... Yeah, thank you very much indeed. I'm very grateful. But I wasn't the best actor. I've decided to give it to Winnie the Pooh. You know, and so Winnie the Pooh steps up to the mark and he then passes it on to Tinky Winky, La La and Poe. And uh, before you know where you are, they go, oh, just leave it there, for God's sake. Makes it easier. I still am enjoying Drop the Dead Donkey. It still stands up really, really, really well. Even though, you know, a lot of the jokes are sort of based around the newsroom. If you've never seen it, get it out. It's well worth uh, well worth getting. Ken Loach blasts David Beckham for greed. Everybody's blasting David Beckham, aren't they? Poor old Davy boy Beckham, honestly. But luckily, they all had to go and suffer. Sorry, went to the wife's fashion show. That must have been exciting. More clothes that don't fit. Because she's never found anything that fits. Mainly because they don't make anything that fits for her. But Ken Loach, apparently all his films are made with our money. 
He said, so they, they've called him hypocrite in one of the papers today. They love that word, don't they? Have you noticed? They absolutely adore that word, hypocrite. You know, you're a, uh, you know, Davy Boy Beckham, you're a hypocrite for wanting, you know, a knighthood. Who wants a knighthood? Well, he does. He does. So he can then go, I've got a knighthood. But the trouble is, because he's bleated about it and they caught him out, it looks highly unlikely he's going to be getting anything at all. Uh, what else do we have in the paper today? Um, um, Gary Barlow, we did. Karen Matthews, as I say, planning on fleeing Britain for a new life in Spain. How's she affording that? She's lived in a council house before. How's she affording to move anywhere? Is she, on, I mean, she doesn't work, does she? So I'm assuming she's on benefits. So she's on benefits, going to live in Spain. Pfft, not in favour of that at all. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 12 minutes to five. Spare a thought, please, for Gillian Vincent. Gillian Vincent is a lovely lady. Uh, she lives down in Bournemouth. She's 79. She doesn't look 79. She looks, she looks sort of late 50s. But anyway, she's got a beach hut. Lots of people have them. And they're very popular by the coast because it's the sea air and it's, it's lovely. Anyway, um, she's, uh, she's got one here. She pays £1,094 for a hut in Bournemouth a year. Seems blooming cheap, doesn't it? I mean, do you think the waiting list is sort of almost like the Gettysburg address? Anyway, um, so the council down there, and she says she wasn't even consulted. She's been there since 1934. 19, I mean, that's, that's a long time. And, uh, and the council are putting 13 huts directly in front of hers and those of her neighbours. The reason they're doing it is apparently so that the land train has got an area to turn round in. I don't quite understand how that works. If they're building them actually on the place where the land train is running, what's the point? But anyway, uh, they want the authorities down there in Bournemouth to change their mind. When the first hut appeared, uh, Bournemouth Council told Mrs Vincent the move was temporary, but officials have since told her it will be permanent because they need to create space for a new land train. She says, what's the point of owning a beach hut? If all you can see is the back of another hut, we won't be able to see a thing, not even to keep an eye on children on the beach. She's a former school secretary. Not that that makes any difference at all. And, uh, oh, here we go. This is beach huts. Is this how much you pay? Yeah, uh, that's not even oh, right. Is this, is this weekly, then? Weekly. The best one, you can have... Oh, right. You can have platinum at £195 a week. The whole period is 390 quid. Oh. The annual hire, 51 weeks at Boscombe, £2,500. Well, that's not bad, is it? I mean, if you've got 2500 quid, you've got your own little beach hut. Oh, I quite like that idea. I think that's very... I thought they'd be serious money, but they're actually... They're, they're, they're not beyond... Yes, they're not beyond my... my um, I, I could change into my little speedos in there and then sit out the front on my little deck chair, have a nice cup of tea. 2500 at Boscombe West. But uh, that's nice, isn't it? So if you're thinking of going September, £300 for the whole period, 9th of September to the 29th, so that's a month. So for the whole year... That would be about three and a half thousand pounds, you know, based on that. From the 30th of September through to the 30th of March, that would be 70 quid a week. And you get that for 80. Well, you sit there freezing your bits off, I should imagine. 840 pounds. That's all right. I can I can cope with that. It's not bad. I could just about stretch to that. I could probably stretch to the 1500 quid if I put, put my mind to it. It's just driving down to bottom. Where do you park the car? Probably find it's another three and a half thousand pounds. Anyway, so she's she's taken taken a bit of umbrage, and um, and she's quite right. What's the point of having a beach hut, you know, where you've been for years and years and years, and then the council put a load in front of you? So your view of the sea is now the view of the back of the other beach hut, and so consequently, why can't she move to one of those? Why won't the council move them into these other ones? And um, Kerry Watkins, 
says she spent 1,500 quid renovating her hut. After getting assurances from the council, she'd not be impacted by future development. Oh, don't believe councils. They lie. They lie. She says, I've got it, um, you know, because I can't afford to go on expensive holidays. Anyway, the local authorities have notified the owner of 14 huts that numbers 717 to 730 will be placed in front of them from the end of the month. Bournemouth Council says the move was the only viable option to cater for its plans to create a turning circle for the land train. We're working with beach hut uh, tenants and the Bournemouth Beach Hut Association to minimise the impact. You're not, there's no, there is no impact, Sweet Pea. There is no impact. What you've done is you've put a hut directly in front of somebody else's hut. That's not, that's not an impact. That's just common sense not to do it, isn't it, really? So now she, she doesn't have a sea view. If any of the godchildren or grandchildren come down, she can't see them. Because she's not eight foot tall. She can't see over the top of this thing. And so they placed it right in front. What a miserable council they are. I wouldn't mind, but Bournemouth is like God's waiting room. There are lots of people who go down there because it's quite... It is the only place I've ever been to, as a seaside resort goes, that they've got blue lights in the public lavatories to stop the, uh, the heroin addicts jacking up inside the toilets. Because if you put blue lights inside there, they can't see the veins. So, uh, and I didn't, I didn't, when I first went in there, I thought, God, I look awful. You know, because you stand under blue light, you just don't look good at all. And I came out and said to a friend of mine, I said, there's blue lighting. He said, yeah, he said, it's for the junkies. He said, it's to stop them jacking up in the toilet in front of us. You go in there for a wee, you don't expect somebody next to you to go, you couldn't have just hold my arm here, could you? And I strapped myself up. No, thank you very much indeed. No, thank you. Uh, what have we got here? What have we got here? I'm trying to find something. All the things that they're wearing. Adele. Why can she not do a concert without swearing? Why could she not? I mean, she's, she's got everything going for her, but yet she insists on swearing. Lady Gaga turned up. She was exposing a lot of her body. I suppose if, if you've got a, a, Beyo- a, Beyody, a Beyonce body and you don't mind exposing it, then that's OK. You know, it's like you get sort of blokes who've got washboard stomachs and they don't mind going topless. You know, in the summer, I mean, even on, even on the streets of Twickenham, you get people who walk around with their shirts off. I mean, not me. Not mysterious. I mean, I wouldn't even. Th- I don't even do that at home, let alone walk along the street with your shirt off. God in heaven, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, no more plastic and cotton buds, which I like uh, very much. I do use cotton buds actually. Uh, they're going to be on sale in Britain in the coming weeks. They're paper handles. I don't know why why they would do that. I suppose really because it's the number one item of plastic sewage related debris found on beaches. Because by that time, I assume that the, the cotton has sort of worn off and you've just got a little blue stick. So it's going to be made of paper. It's going to be made of paper, isn't it? So, I mean, does that make any difference? I don't know. I always worry about the fact you stick... Because you're not supposed to stick them in your ears. What they're for, I've got no idea then. Repairing clocks or something like that. Little... Trying to get into little places. You know, little nooks and crannies. Because uh, they say, don't, don't put them in your ears. And the only place I do put them in. And I thought, if ever it broke off, I'd just have to get the vacuum cleaner out. <laughs> And sort of, you know, suck the thing out again. Because otherwise, what, you know, what else are you going to do? And they go, oh, you don't do them. And they, say, and, and they, they specifically target them for babies. What in God's name are you using them on, on a baby for? If they're not supposed to be for adults, and we're being told don't, don't use them because you're not supposed to put them in your ear, where are you supposed to put them? Please don't tell me. I'd rather not know, actually. It's best. Uh, Tropicana, as we announced yesterday, have shrunk their uh, carton. So um, it's now Tesco who is selling a 1.7 litre carton of Tropicana at 350. 
that Sainsbury's is selling the smaller 1.6 litre at 360, although it's currently marked down at 250 as part of a short-term offer. Meanwhile, Asda has an even smaller 1.4 litre carton at 340, and Morrison's is selling that size with an official list price of 345, currently marked down to two pounds. How do they do it? Is it lost leaders? Is it lost leaders? Earlier this month, Birdseye reduced the number of cod- codfish fingers in its packets from 12 to 10, but the price remained the same at £2.50. A bit of a swizz, isn't it? I haven't had fish fingers for ages. I quite fancy fish fingers. Fish fingers in a roll. Fish fingers in a roll. That sounds quite nice, doesn't it, really? However, Toblerone increased the gaps between its chocolate bars' triangles to reduce their weight. A spokesman for Tropicana said, we've changed the size of some of our packs due to a number of factors impacting the cost of producing a pack of juice. These include fluctuating foreign exchange rates affecting the price of oranges and packaging, as well as supply pressures on fruits due to yield and weather. Just basically, they put the price up, OK? That's all that matters. You don't need to know anything else. I couldn't care less what it's about. Uh, it's just the fact that they've put the price up. And if you want to buy something, then you will buy it. You know, if, if, if you've been a, a brand person where you, oh, that looks nice. uh, where you sort of go out and you buy things that are in, in brand and on brand, then you'll continue buying it. It doesn't make any difference. Adele has got a potty mouth, Steve. It goes down bad enough here, but in the States they'll hate her, swearing it will affect her record sales. Doesn't appear to have done. Doesn't appear to have done in the slightest. In the last concert she gave, she swore in front of children. She uses the F word quite liberally, but so does Diane Abbott. So we have to just accept the fact she's obviously very common and, uh, and swears. Mind you, Princess Margaret used to swear as well. Uh, in fact, I believe the more, the more sort of you know, up the scale of, uh, of human life you go, the more people swear. Imagine if you turned on the radio and Steve Allen went, welcome to the show and all the rest of it. You'd be going, what, what, what's he doing? He's swearing, you know. I know. Imagine if you sort of said Steve Allen started using the F word and the B word and all these other things and the S word. You're all trying to work out the S word, aren't you? I can tell now. But I mean, there's all sorts of things. And you think you wouldn't expect to hear that because it's public broadcasting. And so and I've I've heard swearing on so many different programs on the television. What did I want? I was watching something yesterday. There was loads of swearing, loads of swearing. I even heard the B word. The B word being used by Jeremy Paxman. I wasn't sure if it was true or not. I'm a little bit worried, as I said at the beginning of the programme, about Waitrose, who've dropped the British label on the lamb meals, which turns out they weren't all British lamb at all. Many of them were New Zealand lamb. I feel sorry for lambs. Don't you? You They gamble around and, we are lambs, you know, look at us. Aren't we just crazy mad people? And um, and then they sort of end their lives, and we go. I mean, I, I saw in the in the thing the other day. What did I see in the thing the other day? Oh, it was um, it was uh, lamb neck, which I saw in in Marks and Spencer, probably available elsewhere as well. But it's yes, it's the neck of the lamb, which you just. Co- I felt a bit guilty because I imagined a head stuck on the top of it, and I didn't like that. It kind of puts me off. So, I, and I don't eat lamb anyway because I'm uh, I'm allergic to it. Uh, Stuart Stuart Manning. He says, I can't imagine you swearing. Oh, imagine. Oh, you're really. Oh, I'm terrible. I really am terrible. I swear to myself. Seriously, I, I swear to myself. I'm terrible. I mean, I've, I've got better, better turn of language than Princess Margaret. I make Adele look like, you know, sort of somebody out of Disney. I really, which reminds me, actually, to tell you a good story about Disney a little bit later on. Anyway, we've got the news at five o'clock coming along. It's Tuesday. It's the 14th of February. You're probably sitting there in floods of tears. 
No cards, OK? Nothing at all. Nobody's phoned you up and gone, I want to be your Valentine. That's just what, I, that's what I, I'd appreciate today, my, my phone going red hot with people going, you know, I've never told you this before, but I really want to go out with you. And I, I then take great delight in just ignoring them. Uh, just keep them on tender hooks, you know, don't sort of worry about it. Because it's supposed to be the most romantic day of the year. I don't know why. We can't quite work out what's... I mean, I've heard of St. Valentine, but I just don't, who cares... Honestly, you're either going to pull today or you're not. And if you don't pull, you just have to survive until tomorrow. You might get lucky the weekend, but of course, if you don't, it means you're really unattractive. It's not your fault. It's the way God made you. Just get used to it. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm saying that to everybody, actually. Happy Valentine's I don't know why. I, I, I try not to um, engage in any of these practices, which I think are being foisted upon us by the florists and the, uh, all the other people. Although I do know that there is a florist in the middle of Kingston in Eden Walk and that the girls there will be wrapping up their roses and uh, everything else and hoping that people go and buy them. Because that's the time that people make money, isn't it? The rest of the time, it's, I mean, there's, uh, they've just opened at Waterloo Station a flower stall. First time I've ever seen one there. And it's right, sort of, it's nearly opposite the platform that I use. And uh, I always say it's quite nice, actually. If you're going to run anything, run, run a flower shop. It always, it always strikes me. The only problem is you're going to spend your entire life wrapped up in anoraks. Because if you have a hot flower shop, the flowers die. You can only keep them in cold places. The colder the place, the longer they will last. So make sure when you go out today and you buy your flower... I mean, to be honest with you, if they're selling a hundred of these little roses in Aldi and Morrison's for 25 quid. It's worth florists going out, buying them all up and just splitting them up into bunches and doing them for six quid a bunch, isn't it? That's what I'd be doing anyway, but that's... I, mean, I don't think there's any law in that. You're allowed to resell. I suppose you are, really. But um, if, you're, if you're lying in bed with your dearly loved one next door to you and you've been married for anything more than ten years, you couldn't really give a stuff, could you, about Valentine? Why would you bother? You've seen them naked a million times before. There's no excitement in there. It's a case of now it just looks like it needs a good iron. And so you sort of, you just, you just get on with it. You do whatever you do every other day. And maybe if you're lucky, you might get a box of chocolates a bit later on. And then you can just sit in front of the television and just pig out on a box of chocolates. I wish they made non-fattening chocolates. You know, I mean, I, I would think actually that would be, the th- you know, if you could actually get a box of chocolates, all soft centres, because I don't like hard I can't do hard. I've, I've done hard before, but frankly, you know, you don't want to lose too many fillings. So I would want apricot, banana, apple, all sort of inside, just with a slight glaze of chocolate over the top. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? I could get, but only soft centres, because I only like soft centres. Butterscotch. A soft butterscotch. That'd be quite nice. And uh, what else? Just anything. Any of, the, any of the fruits. Blackberry doesn't sound very exciting, does it, as a chocolate filling? But I suppose you could do lemon or something like that. But nobody makes a whole box of soft chocolates. What you have to do is you have to go into a chocolate shop and just pick... You know, when they go, you can pick out all the ones to fill up your... And just pick out the soft ones. Okay, because there's a chocolate shop in, in Richmond and they make their own chocolates. And then you go, I'll have two banana and two this. And, and that's what I'd be doing. You can buy a little box of chocolates with four in or you can go up to, well, just about anything. It's a suitcase if you wanted to eat that many. Luckily, I'm not a chocolate person. If I was given, given the choice, I would rather eat fish fingers. I would rather eat fish fingers than have, have chocolates. I've had chocolate. I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong. I have eaten chocolates before. And uh, Tess says, how many fish fingers would you eat with, fi- with chips and peas? My husband ate eight for dinner last night and still had his eyes on mine. Well, grateful at your age, I should imagine. But um, <laughs> uh, eight fish... I, I could eat eight fish fingers. 
I, I, I can really, I can eat, I can eat, uh, I can eat ten, ten sausages, ten, ten chipolatas, you know, which aren't as big and fat as, as sort of normal. So I could eat, I could eat ten of those, and I could eat a box of fish fingers. It, it would not be, not be too difficult. Some people are going, you are joking. A whole box? You, could you really eat a box? Yes, of course, of course. That's why whenever you go out to the supermarket. And you've got meals for one and you look at it and you think, don't be so ridiculous. That's just that's just stupid. Who would eat a meal for one? And then you look at the family size meal and you think, what, what is this? The family of, of sort of dwarves or something eating people with no appetite at all. So I always I always. And also, I don't want the person on the till looking at me going, oh, meal for one. Sad night in again. Billy, no mates. Ha 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 ha. Not me. I buy tins of cat food, dog food, parrot food. I've got everything. So when I walk out of there, they go, he's got so many pets. And obviously a big family because he bought two family pies. You have to do it, don't you? You have to do it. The over 50s are the fittest, they tell us. Not after today. Not after today. You'll all be suffering and going, I don't know, why do they do this? I'm inundated with adverts on the television for uh, exercise bikes and, you know, and things that you do. Oh, I'm going to tell you as well this morning. Only because I'm always interested. Every year... And I shall find the blooming thing uh, if it kills me on the goodie bags at the Oscars. Now, every person who goes to the Oscar, I think it's every person, uh, you get a goodie bag and it contains all sorts of things, all sorts of things. Uh, Sometimes it's um, it's a phone or a holiday or something like that. Uh, This one this year is worth. I think it's something (laughs) You won't believe it anyway, because it just sounds so, so ludicrous. I think it's worth about £170,000, the goodie bag. That's what it's, that's what it's worth. So you can, it's all, it's all gifted. And I think in the one this year, this year, I think you'll find it's got uh, foreign holidays, mobile phones, treatments, just about, just about everything that you can think of that you would ever want in a goodie bag. And that's, that's the way of them enticing you to go because people go for the goodie bags i know i know i know you're thinking i'm absolutely mad but i promise you they're really really lovely and i'm going to find this story you know it's always the way isn't it you go through the papers in the morning you go oh that's a good story i'll use that one on the program and uh, and then you can't find it ever again it sort of vanishes into the ether i've got to find um a paper from yesterday there's one particular paper yesterday which had some very good puns in it which, uh, which I thought were very good. Uh, the Tara Palmer Tomkinson story goes on, I'm afraid. Uh, now they're saying she had a split personality. That comes as no surprise to me whatsoever. No surprise. It's just, you know, sad when somebody's life finishes. I mean, you always hope, don't you, really, that uh, she's gone to a, to a better place, much better place, where hopefully she'll be a lot happier. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll, I will come round back to that story again. I, I will find it. Apparently Eamon Holmes is going to do something very very... because um, we haven't heard from Eamon Holmes for ages. It's almost like since he left Sky, he's disappeared completely. Disappeared. But anyway, he's turned up, he was going to do something romantic with Ruth. He was going to book a pod on the London Eye and you get a picnic basket with champagne. Unfortunately um, it's you and your loved one and also um, two other people in there. Because they don't want people bonking in the pod which has happened before 
people sort of use it as the mile high club kind of. I mean, seven heavens above, I've never done the three foot club, let alone the mile high club. And uh, so they're, they're there to ensure that nothing happens. I mean, to be honest, with you, I think you'd be pretty safe with Eamon Holmes, wouldn't you? There's no danger of him doing anything anytime soon. Uh, the decorator that I mentioned at the beginning of the programme is Dave Took. Uh, Dave has been fined. £5,300 because he's broken the terms of the agreement of the house that he bought because he's parked his works van outside his new home. He uses his own parking bay. He's had 53 tickets in two years after being told commercial vehicles are not allowed on the posh estate. Dad Dave says he cannot afford to pay unless he sells his van. It's a posh estate, dear. How did you afford it in the first place? Methinks you're telling Porky Pies here. But then he still wouldn't be able to earn. Dave, who lives with his wife Claire and daughter Rhea, says, I'm being bullied by snobby estate developers. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, you're being bullied because they've got a rule in place. And you knew the rule when you bought because they, they told you. Affinity Sutton, which runs the estate with Lyndon Holmes, says a clause in the lease Dave signed stated commercial vehicles exceeding 762 kilograms, like his Peugeot expert, couldn't park there. Lyndon said the bans were standard on new estates. Of course, who wants, as I said at the beginning of the programme, whether he thinks it's snobby or not, he thought that place was worth buying. He thought, he says, I'm being bullied because I'm a tradesman. No, you're being bullied because you broke the lease. The lease, and unless you can't read... The lease quite clearly states that you are not allowed working commercial vehicles. And you have. So it's not a case of a snobby estate. I wouldn't want to live next door to you. Nobody would want to live next door to a tradesman. I mean, you know, if you've got a little plain van, it's a small little thing, then that's fine. But you're not allowed to have a commercial van. It looks like your name's painted on the side. And that, and you signed the lease. I mean, what, did you not understand it? Which bit did you not understand? That's why. £5,000. And be careful... Dave, because now you've been in the paper, this cannot be good for business. Not good for business. And if they take you to court to get the 5,300, you'll have charges on top of that because you signed the lease. You know, if you sign a that's what you, I know people, you know, it's like somebody says to me, have you ever read your contract? No, no. Who reads contracts? He obviously didn't, but you know, he's got himself a 5,300 pound fine, which is not so great, is it? Not so great. Uh, Steve, I've ordered roses for my lovely boss. I've told the florist to cut the heads off, just keep the stems and the thorns, says Andrew. <laughs> That's what they do, though, don't they, when they make um, oil? They have to sort of take all the rose petals off and stuff like that. Uh, Steve, uh, a common misconception that running a flower shop is all pink and fluffy. I was up at 11.30 to get to London for one thirty to collect flowers and then onto the new Covent Garden market for 3.30. Girl in Kingston, awesome. Husband. Uh, you won't believe me, Steve, but florists don't make a fortune uh, on Valentine's Day because the growers who rear the roses charge a whacking premium. Well, most of them come in from abroad. They come in from abroad. So, in fact, it's um, it's uh, it's a, a lot cheaper. Listen, if they're selling a hundred in a supermarket for 25 quid, they must be paying a lot less. Oh, the other day I questioned how much um, a designer dress would be as worn by Kate the other day to the BAFTAs. And uh, I thought about 1,500 quid, and somebody said, no, between six and £7,000 for a designer dress. <gasps> wow, seems a lot of money, doesn't it? But uh, no, Mark, I do think that florists make uh, a lot of money. They must do. They must do. You know, but also it's, you know, if, if you run a florist shop, you have to uh, you have to do it. And I think it is all fluffy and, and lovely and things like that. If it isn't, then you should go and do something else. 
Roberto says, Morning, Steve. Seeing as it's Valentine's Day, I expect I'll be inundated. Sorry, I meant undated. I know. It's the best time to finish with somebody. If you're going out with somebody, finish with them yesterday. You should have done it yesterday. Generally by sort of texts like that, like, I don't want to go out with you, hate you, and kind of thing, and send a copy to their mother as well, and, uh, and everybody else who knows them. And then what you have to do is, then you don't have to buy any flowers at all today. Then tomorrow you say, I'm so sorry, I've changed my mind, I really do love you. And then you get back with them again. And that way you save the money. I should imagine this morning the office at LBC will be awash with flowers. They'll be all over the travel desk, they'll be everywhere, and no. No, they won't be, because uh, people suffer from asthma and uh, and they get a little bit funny about that. But somebody somewhere in this building today will be having flowers delivered and uh, and they and we'll all be going, who, who are I always ask, who are they for? And they'll say, oh, it's for so-and-so, so-and-so. It's always for girls. The boys never get flowers. Why is that? Not butch enough? Come on, flowers for boys as well. That would be quite good, wouldn't it? I would like to think that, you know, boys could receive flowers and walk home with them going, hmm. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. I am not a Hollywood actor. I wanted on record that I'm not one of those fortunate people who has chosen to receive an Oscar goodie bag. Uh, this year, the goodie bag was worth £160,000. In it, you put some very odd things. There are different, there are different strengths of, of goodie bags. They, they had to, uh, they're not officially endorsed endorsed by the Academy Awards because they had to stop giving them out in 2006 when they had a dispute with the Internal Revenue Service over the value of the merchandise. As you can well imagine, you're giving them what? So in in this year, £160,000 worth of treats included will be five holidays. This is not five split between all the bags. This is five in one bag, OK? A six-day Hawaiian getaway at a luxurious villa on uh, the sunny South Shore, costing £9,500. A £17,500 three-night stay at the Lost Coast Ranch in Northern California. Three days at an £800-a-night grand hotel, Tremezzo, on Lake Como. And uh, there's also some quirky health and beauty handouts. A £38,000 ten-year supply of oxygenating makeup products. Uh, a £24 platinum weight loss supplementary pill and 10 sessions with a celebrity trainer. The standout tech product this year is the £480 UMI smart home system, which is a device uh, which controls a bevy of household things. Um, There's also a a vape pen. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio got one the other year and he liked it so much he was still using it. Uh, This is valued at £250, the Hayes dual vaporiser. Uh, some of the other ones, though, uh, the, the, the slightly cheaper ones, the cheaper gift bag, this would be this would be in the Steve Allen department, you can tell, uh, is a £4 chapstick. I mean, really, that's very embarrassing, isn't it? Although I do like a chapstick, I like the cherry one. But then somebody said to me, you must never use chapsticks because they dry your lips out. So, I don't, you know, and we know we lick our lips in the in the winter, don't we? Uh, also, personalised Crayola crayons. OK, how exciting is that? How many times? When was the last time you used crayons? Not for me, for ages. And this one here. Have you ever heard of an opal apple? I bet you haven't. But you will want one because this is the apple which never turns brown after cutting it every month for a year. So in other words, you can keep cutting it. It never turns brown. Are you sure it's real? Well, no, it's, I think it's a case of... It, it, it's obviously got something... It's the way it's been grown. It doesn't... Because um, if, if you leave an apple and you cut it, then it goes brown quite quickly. This one doesn't. Probably, 
No, you make an apple last. Yeah, heavens above, a year at least for an average apple nowadays. What, you eat an apple all in one go? Not normal, is it? Not normal. But there you go, perhaps you were dropped on your head as a child or something like that, and it meant that you have to sort of eat it, or you're very poor, and it's a case of eat it quickly in case somebody else pinches it. We used to do that, you know, when, you, when you're only kids, and you go to a party, and you start picking the sweets, and then another kid next to you starts to... And you take the bowl away from them. You move the bowl away, and then, they, and then it turns into a fisticuffs fight. Seriously, just so you can get hold of the jelly babies and stuff like that. Otherwise, it's awful, isn't it, really? I quite fancy that, though, an apple that never goes brown. That's very odd, isn't it? Mind you, I would like to find a mango that doesn't have a blasted stone in the middle of it. Why can't they, you know, make a mango a little bit harder? Because you've got to wait for ages. I think it's next year. Oh, sorry, later on this year, when you get the um, Alphonse um, mangoes, which are sort of about the best you can get, I think. Oh, there's mangoes available at the moment, which are, which are absolutely lovely. Uh, the bags are just for the winners, Stuart. The bags are just for the winners. They don't hand... Otherwise, I mean, can you imagine £160,000 as you walk in? There you go. Five holidays. You're sorted out, Mr Allen. Thank you very much indeed. I'm not a celebrity, you know. I'm just here to sort of take the goodie bag. But they have been worth, I mean, in the past, £50,000, £60,000 uh, worth of goodies because what they want is the celebrity to go to their holiday resort. Then they take pictures and people go, oh, wow, Leonardo DiCaprio goes to so-and-so. It was only because it's free. I was suggesting earlier on that every time you see a picture of the Beckhams and they're all dressed up, a little bit gussied up, as my mother used to say, uh, you get the feeling, you know, did they pay retail for these for these clothes? Seeing as they seem to be flashing Burberry about all over the place, I was thinking, and they'd done modelling for Burberry, do you think they get it for free? I think that, you know, because they would be a good, they'd be saying, you know, this is a kid's coat, 550 Even I don't have a coat that costs £550. Seriously, that's like a serious amount of money. Serious, serious amount of money. Um, should Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have children, they'll be American citizens. Did you know that? It's an interesting one, isn't it? And also the other thing is, poor old attention-seeking Katie Pepper Price reckons that um, even though she, she's done a will, if, if she dies, everything goes to Peter Andre. Can't imagine why, because it goes to the person who was married to her. You know, unless she specified Peter Andre in the will, in which case it still goes to the husband. You know, the, that's the person who actually gets it. I don't know why she doesn't know that, but uh, I'm sure she'll find out. The story that we did yesterday on LBC about the Albanian killer that we've let back in again running a car wash. And the, uh, the Home Office says the government puts the safety of our families, communities and countries first. Quite clearly not. He's a, he's a convicted murderer. And we are determined to deport any foreign national who poses a threat to the UK. He hasn't even served his prison sentence properly. He absconded. We've taken action like introducing deport first appeal later to stop this kind of thing happening. He's working here now. He's got two car washes. God, blimey, there's none as blind as in the government, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, also, um, blood monitors could be run on human saliva. Ugh, ugh, ugh. And on Thursday this week, I've got that uh, ill-fated test that everybody hates. Blood pressure. Blood. I'm tempted to go and buy my own little blood pressure monitor beforehand to see just how bad it's going to be. Because you never know, do you? They, they always do three. Uh, the blood pressure is where they put the little pad around your wrist. It's like a giant bracelet. And then it inflates. You feel like you're cutting off the circulation. And that gives you your, uh, your blood pressure reading. And you can always tell when they look at it and go... You think, oh, God. And they do three. And then you take the mean average. <laughs> I always hope it's going to be fine on three. Uh, it's cheaper, says Anne, to take a picture of the bouquet of, uh, of very flowers and send them to your loved ones as a text. It saves on delivery charges and you can guarantee they will arrive on time. You are so tight. 
That's so cheap. <laughs> it's a good idea, though, isn't it? Just take a photograph of... Or failing that, do one of those virtual cards. You know, I, I, I joined Jackie Lawson cards because I thought she was American. And I, I didn't realise she was British. And... Um, and and it's uh, you send uh, reality cards, and so what you do is you and you can personalise it, you know, to the one I love, blah 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 blah, and uh, lots of love, Steve. And then when they when they click on it, and I do, it either opens up to music or it becomes animated. They're very clever, and it's, it's the cheapest way of sending cards. I'm afraid I do begrudge spending a lot of money on a card, so I just buy cheap cards. Uh, Steve, the twenty five roses have such a short stem; they won't stand up in a large vase. Uh, no, you mean the hundred roses? The hundred roses? No, they're they're in the same size vase. I had a look at them the other day. I had a look at them, and uh, Joy. Uh, no, it's it's Fion, who says I still love you more than hot buttered Marmite toast. It's nice, isn't it? I've often liked to be compared to Marmite toast, which is either kind of you like it or you don't like it. Uh, where am I taking the girlfriend tonight, Steve? Says Jamie at Gatwick. Depends where I can get a voucher for. I'm a real romantic. Yes. That reminded me of there was, there was a story in uh, Golden Girls and Rose, I think, was going out with this bloke and he lived on, on free vouchers. He said, we're, we're going to be going to sort of the wagon wheel or something. And she go, oh, that's nice. Why? He said, because you get a free dessert. And you think, I couldn't bear it if you went out for a meal with somebody and they produced a voucher for a discount. I mean, that would be... Uh, there will be people listening who go, um, that's exactly what we're doing tonight. We're going out for a meal at our local harvester. And that's where you have to learn how to stack the, um, the salad. Because if you don't stack it properly, you won't get as much salad in there as some people. Some people can get tons of salad in. You have to start with all, all the flat stuff. So like grated carrot, because you think about that when you go out to a harvester, don't you? And um, and then I think it's then cucumber. Don't ever put anything bulky like lettuce in. It takes up too much room. And don't put tomatoes in until the very last bit. The very last bit. And, uh, and that way you can really fill the salad bowl up. Which I quite like. It's like those all-you-can-eat Chinese. We used to have a place down here. All-you-can-eat Chinese. It didn't last five minutes. When we first moved in, there was an all-you-can-eat Chinese for £4.50. Admittedly, there wasn't really a huge amount of choice. It was sort of, I think there was uh, rice, boiled rice. I think there might have been chicken. In fact, I'm pretty certain there was chicken. Some vegetables. I think that was about it, actually. It, was a, it just seemed cheap because it was emblazoned over the window. £4.50, all you can eat. And you suddenly realise that after you'd eaten your fifth piece of chicken, you were feeling a little bit uh, a little bit nauseous with the whole thing. 84850, uk. So now the papers tell us that we're going to spend £6 billion today. It's a splurge on the day of love. But I don't know why it's the day of love. I don't know why you have to be, you know, lovey-dovey on this day. Only if you're just in a new relationship. If you've been married or in a relationship for any any length of time, then you're not going to be remotely interested. But you feel duty bound to do it because if you don't buy a card or get some flowers, you're going to be in big, big trouble when you get home, aren't you? And there'll be people going, oh, I'm sorry, I was late. I mean, at least send a text, at least send a text or do something like that, because if you, if you don't send anything, you're going to you're going to absolutely be in for it when you get home. She's going to be battering you over there with a frying pan. You can mean so much because people expect it, you know, uh, next door got it. You know, she got flowers and delivered and a big Amazon box and everything else. What have I got? Nothing. Nothing at all. And so your life would be misery. So you have to buy something. And so that's why a pile of firewood is absolutely ideal. Because when you call into the local garage, having realised that you've forgotten everything, the only thing they sell there are some half-hearted flowers which look well past their sell-by date, a local newspaper or a bundle of firewood. So take firewood home because you're going to be standing on it as she sets fire to it. Simple as that. Over at the jump... 
Uh, now Bradley Wiggins is at fault for his injuries, says dreary old Spencer Matthews. Nobody's interested in you, Spencer. Nobody's interested. Seriously, uh, ever since the steroid incident, we've just wiped you off the face of anything at all. You're a very silly little person. And unfortunately, Bradley Wiggins has got more talent in one little toe than you've got in your entire body. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Well, apparently you're not spending enough money. Nothing to do with Valentine's Day, but the, uh, the retail units are saying, no, I'm sorry, it's all dropped off now. And the truth of the matter is, people are cutting back. People have done Christmas. They've had the bills come in, and they suddenly realise that they went a little bit mad over the festive season. So, apparently, uh, they're down 1.3%. That's a 2.8% slump since June of last year. And, uh, interestingly, experts said the figures were surprising, considering that many shops held sales last month. But most people now do shopping online. I don't think I do any shopping, you know, apart from food shopping and things like that. And even that you can do online, but I've not quite mastered it. So for most people now, it's the shopping online. You sit there in front of the computer, you type in Amazon or wherever you want to go, and uh, you go and buy stuff online. It's delivered to your door. You don't even need to move outside. Although I quite like, if I was buying clothes, I would like to see the clothes before I bought them, just to make sure that they were of the right sort of quantity. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's 26 minutes to six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC till seven. And it's Valentine's Day, traditionally the most miserable day of your life. Or failing that, if you have managed to get some flowers and somebody remembered and they hid them in the garden or in the shed or something like that, well, then that's a nice surprise this morning. I, of course, have received the obligatory two Valentine's cards. I'm expecting more to turn up later on today with flowers and, you know, huge boxes of chocolates and everything else. Unlikely. Unlikely. Please don't. It would be so much easier. But there will be flowers. I should imagine by the time I leave the building, there'll be at least two bouquets of flowers sitting down there for somebody, some deserving person in the office. It'll be, it'll be Charlie Girling. Charlie Girling, head of our entertainment department. She'll, she'll be receiving flowers today. It'll be from the other half, you know. But uh, I'm on, I can't wait to see the first one round here to get flowers. It's got to be somebody exciting, hasn't it, who's going to get flowers. My friend Pippa might be getting flowers today. Uh, the Troubled It Girl. This is the, uh, the two faces of Tara Palmer Tomkinson. Because they said she'd gone back to her cocaine habit, it's obviously very... I'm so, so glad that I'm of that age where, you know, to do drugs would be just ridiculous. And also the fact that it kind of bypassed me. It didn't, um, it didn't kind of come into my life at all. In fact, I didn't drink till I was 18. Um, and I certainly wouldn't be doing drugs anytime soon. Her habit was costing her £400 a day. 400 Now, I mean, I don't know if that's an expensive habit or not, because I, I can't remember. I just know that cocaine is about £60 a go. And it's been the same price for years and years and years. But it must be so addictive. It's left, in fact, in her particular case, it left her paranoid. Absolutely paranoid because there were two people. There was the one who sort of went out there and was the country loving girl who relished the weekends at home. And then there was the one who was in the gossipy columns out there being an exhibitionist, falling into people. going, Yeah, you know, and I, I've seen both sides. I've seen both sides of her. I've seen the, yeah, where she was completely off her face. And uh, and she would go to three parties in one night. God, dear, those were happy days. I can remember when I did three parties in a night. I was exhausted, exhausted. I could actually finish doing a programme and then go out and do something. And that was an overnight programme. I would I would be out on the town, go out for dinner, all the rest of it, come in here, do, do a programme. But uh, she was she was troubled. I think the truth of the matter is she wanted to be loved. 
And I think if you're doing so many drugs and she was doing so many drugs and she's fallen off the way, you sort of you sort of lose faith in yourself. We've seen this with loads of other people. We've seen it with Kerry Coke and we've seen it with Daniela Westbrook. And there's loads of other people. Show business is littered with people who've fallen foul of drugs, steroids or otherwise. And it just kind of ruins your life. But at the time, people don't see it. They don't understand exactly how bad things can go, how you can lose your, your friends, you can lose your property, you can lose all your money, you can, you can lose just about everything, probably even your job if you're not careful. But in her case, she didn't need to worry about losing a job because she had money, the, uh, the family have, have got money. Uh, she was found by her cleaner, that's the first time I'd heard that, I didn't know who she was found by. And uh, the family said she died peacefully in her sleep. I would like to think so, I would like to think so. But it was sad. It was very sad because there are people out there and that fame game, it's uh, it's, as they say in the business, a bit of a killer if you don't know how to handle it properly. Some people absolutely thrive. They can't do anything without being inside the fame game. I did a book about Say You Want to Be a Celebrity, basically saying that just about anybody could be a celebrity if you put your mind to it. It would be quite easy to be a celebrity. In fact, there are companies who will follow you out for the night they will take photographs of you flashing. In the, so other people then go, who's that? Who's that? I don't know. It's somebody famous. It must be they're taking pictures of them. And so in other words, if you're driving past a, you know, a London hotel or a Glasgow hotel or a hotel in Widnes or something, anyway, it could be anywhere, and you see flashes going off, you're immediately attracted. And that's what this, this agency sets up to do. It's for people who are very insecure and they want to be famous. The bloke the other day who was on some television programme, he wanted to be famous. He, would, he was spending his benefits to make sure that he became famous, like the girl with the lottery. She thinks she's going to be famous. She's not. She's just pitied by people. And so you get the wrong end of fame. You know, or you get fame by association. You hang around with somebody or you either make up a story or get somebody to plant a story that you've been seen out with, you know, a member of the royal family. I mean, I've lost track of the amount of third-rate actresses and singers who sort of claimed that they've been out with Prince Harry. You know, because it's a good thing. And once it's, once it's in the press... It sticks. It then goes on to Google. And before you know where you are, people are believing it because people read this stuff and go, oh, right. So they really no, they didn't in most cases. It's there as publicity. That's why you never get comment from the other person. But it's fame by association. So you either have a <coughs> an affair with, with somebody or you make somebody fall for you. And, and look how famous Meghan Markle has become since the Prince Harry thing. I mean, I'm still maintaining I don't reckon they're going to get married. Although Camilla Tomine thinks that they will. But I don't think she's going to give up. And let's face it, he went off to a christening, didn't he, down in Devon and left her sitting at the palace. Why didn't he take her? What is she sitting there like an idiot or something? I'd, I'd be going... I remember Barbara Streisand years ago. She married her hairdresser. But when he went round to do her hair, she kept him waiting, I think, for two hours. He turns up. This is a guy called... I his name was John somebody. Anyway... Uh, he turns up at the house and he's sitting there. Eventually, after two hours, Streisand, La Streisand, turned up down the staircase and he looked at her. He stood up. He said, don't you ever make me wait again and walk right out of the house. Well, of course, she's she's like a dog after him, you know, and they ended up getting married. And he then became very successful because it was fame by association. Up until then, he was just a hairdresser. He then became a film producer. Uh, very, but it was that it was that initial meeting where he just walked out and said, don't you ever make me wait ever again. Because that's just rudeness. Elizabeth Taylor was notorious for being late. You know, three hours late. Naomi Campbell, rude beyond belief. You know, I remember a feature done, I think, in The Standard ages ago. And, um, and they'd gone along to see her. She was at, I think, Claridge's. She was 
she was an hour and a half late for this interview. When she did deign to swan in, because she's like really so busy and intellectual, uh, she then announced she was going off shopping and wandered off again. Well, I'd have ditched the interview. I wouldn't have sat there like a lemon waiting for it. I'd have gone, excuse me, you're way too rude for me. You know, learn some manners and then we might better talk. And so, um, you know, people have to be told. People have to be told. But it's fame by association. Fame by association. It's like the Beckhams. The Beckhams live in the glare of publicity. They love the publicity. There is never a day goes by. I mean, who's interested in David Beckham or whether he's glum, happy? He's hardly ever happy. He looks quite miserable. Mainly because she's not there and he has to take the kids on board flights. In Harper. Sit down. You know, you can imagine. But I want to show my bag off. Sit down. You can imagine, can't you? So every picture that you take of David Beckham, he looks as miserable as sin. For a man who doesn't actually do anything, you know, there's no specific job. He does his little bit of charity. He does his... He hasn't done any underpant modelling for ages. You know, a little bit of a miss there. Uh, he hasn't even had another tattoo done and, and tweeted about it. But uh, he's been out, and so they're all going out there, getting back on a plane again. And somebody goes, oh, the Beckhams were on the plane. You go, oh, well, that's all they do. They live on aeroplanes. be easier to actually buy one, wouldn't it, really, I suppose. Um, uh, Shannon's mum, Karen Matthews, planning to flee Britain, they say. Good, good, for a new life in Spain. She's living in fear after a TV drama told how she faked the kidnap of her daughter, Shannon. And, uh, and so here it is. And so now she's going to go. She lives, apparently... Uh, the mum of seven was jailed for eight years for staging Shannon's kidnapping to pocket a reward of 50 grand. She was freed halfway through the sentence and now lives 200 miles away from her former home in Dewsbury in West Yorkshire. But since the first part of the dramatisation was screened, she's been targeted. How do people know it's her? I mean, has she not changed her looks or something? I don't know. To be honest with you, it was a ghastly story first time around. I always, uh, always remember it vividly. And it turned out she was actually under the bed. Under the bed all the time. Rescue teams pictured in the paper here uh, at an avalanche that killed four snowboarders in the French Alps. You don't realise, do you, when you see these uh, these avalanches that come down, the uh, tons and tons that look at that hotel that vanished. Literally, only the top of it was actually sticking out. Uh, they've got um, the out-of-touch Tories living in La La Land. This is a letter to the Daily Star. And uh, Let It Shine, ghastly programme. A lot of people writing in. And then somebody says, live at the Apollo. Where are they getting these so-called comedians from? So unfunny. And in reply to Susie B, re Colleen's marriage problems, hope you never have the same problem because I'm going through a divorce and as far as I'm concerned, my whole world has ended. Be grateful if you have somebody, says Ian. Yes, I mean, it's, but the trouble is Colleen's marriage. She was the one that said that he'd fallen out of love with her. And somebody asked me the other day why they've not put Kim Woodburn on Loose Women. Well, I should imagine she'll annihilate poor old uh, Colleen. Colleen will be will be sitting there and and sort of Kim will just lay into it going, you didn't do anything, did you, love? You just sat there smoking and eating. And so Colleen will then burst into tears. Could be good television, though, couldn't it? Because that's what we thrive on in this country. In fact, the more the more dreadful the television is, the more we appear to love it. What's the worst Valentine's present you have ever bought? I don't buy Valentine's presents. Just my my presents enough is good enough for these people. I've never, uh, I've never bought a Valentine's present. Never bought a Valentine's card. I don't think I have anyway. No, I haven't. No, never. And I've never bought uh, roses, unless it's for myself. Unless, uh, unless it's for myself. But I, I just don't see the point of it. If, you, if you're going out with somebody and you fancy them, well, then you're probably taking them out for meals anyway. I don't know whether or not you would, um, 
you actually do this thing when, when you go out for, for dinner or for lunch. Do you, do you split the bill? Or if you're the man going out with somebody, it doesn't matter whether you're going out with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it is, would, would you pay the bill or would you expect them to go, OK, it's £18, that's nine each. Ten if you include the tip, if you're really mean. Or, or do you offer to be sort of shiv- chivalrous and say, I'll, I'll get that, I'll get that. And then make a mental note in your mind, well, that's one meal I've paid for, next one's on you. You, know, you have to do that, don't you? You have to sort of share share the cost of it. Otherwise, it's a bit of a one-sided relationship. What, and you expect flowers as well? For what? What, for just being with me? Ah, pff, go away. I can find somebody much cheaper to go out with. Flower- Chocolates? Cho- I, pay- I took you to the Wimpy last week. What do you mean you want something else? On top of that, you had a double cheeseburger and a bender and a roll, and now you're expecting me to buy flowers? I don't think so. But apparently £6 billion worth will be spent... Today, and uh, it'll be flowers, and people will be rushing around, you know, thinking, oh, quick, what am I going to get? Um, oh, God, I don't know. There's so much choice out there. Pretty flowers with gypsophilia and wrapped in pretty paper, and, and all they do is they take them out, they go, oh, look, flowers, and stick them in a vase. And that's it. You know, it's ridiculous. It really is. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Do people really fancy people on the television? You only watch a presenter. Do you think to yourself, cool, I'd like to go out with them? I mean, I know it happens in the, the pop world, doesn't it? Although for poor old Victoria Beckham, nobody ever said, cool, there's Victoria Beckham. But in fact, they, they've done a survey of who are the people you fancy the most on the television. They've split it into the boys' camp and the girls' camp. Uh, so, at number five in the boys' camp, it's Ant McParklin. Number four is Bradley Walsh. Number three is Declan Donnelly. I mean, Ant will be very miffed by that one. Uh, number two is Danny Dyer. Really? Good Lord. He wants to be the new Doctor Who. Did you read that in the paper the other day? He wants to be the new Doctor Who. I thought, I don't think he could get through a programme without swearing. Uh, and Philip Schofield is number one. People fancy Philip Schofield. It's an odd one, isn't it, really? I suppose this is in the light of the Diane Abbott thing and somebody saying, do you fancy her? And he went, oh, do I look blind? And the top female crushes are number five, Davina McCall. OK, I could understand that. Uh, number four, Scarlett Moffat. Really? Oh, well, there you go. Uh, three, Charlotte Crosby. Really? Uh, number two, Jessica Ennis-Hill. And number one, the one person you fancy the most is Carol Vorderman. So there you go. So congratulations to all concerned. A little bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? If you weren't on... I mean, poor old Holly Willoughby's not on the list. She's going to be very miffed today on the programme. Uh, Georgia says you should have lamented Valentine's Day last week. It would have given listeners time to send you roses in sympathy. Oh, I don't want flowers in sympathy. That would be terrible. Terrible. Uh, Nana says that Beckham should take a leaf out of Roger Federer's book on how to be. He's a class act, don't you think? I don't know enough about him, actually. I know enough about David Beckham because, let's say, there's, there's barely, barely a day goes by where we don't have a picture of David Beckham. In fact, I, I think it would be a very sad day in the world of journalism, if there wasn't a picture of the Beckhams or Brooklyn or Harper Seven or anybody, really. And there's a picture of her, um, Vic, generally, with dark glasses on. Uh, and so that's about the only time the kids must see her, really, because she's always jetting around abroad uh, looking after the business. But I don't know. 
I was I was asking a question the other week, and I'm always interested. You ask something on this programme, and obviously somebody listening from newspapers goes, that's a good story to do, let's do that one. And so I've discovered that, you know, loads of stories that we, we've done ages ago. Somebody started doing some research on it. I don't know. They, they looked at Victoria Beckham's shop a while ago to find out how many people going in there actually bought something or is, or is the shop not doing well. I don't know anything about it. I just know that she borrowed money from Dave and, uh, and that was to sort of prop up the business. Now, whether or not she is the big fashion icon that they're trying to make out she is or whether she's not, I don't know. I would have thought the whole idea would be affordable fashion. But when I look at some of the prices of the stuff that Victoria Beckham sells, I don't think that's what I would call affordable fashion. But I don't think it's for me at all. Uh, Dean says, I do grocery shopping online. Bought a mobile charger cable for £1.90. Not sure about grocery shopping on Amazon. Yeah, it's hugely popular. Hugely popular. And it's all, it's all the, you know, it doesn't come with Amazon stamped all over it. It's just they've obviously got a warehouse uh, like all the other people, like Ocado and, and everything else. And so they can, uh, so they, they fulfil it. Whether or not you can get your groceries inside... Yes, you can get groceries inside an hour. Well, you certainly can down here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they work with who? Who's the shop? We think it's, we think it's Morrison. We're not sure. It, it, could be, it could be Morrison's, which is, I think, where they do the 100 roses for, for 25 quid. Uh, Chocolate-dipped strawberries. Very popular for Valentine's Day. That combination, that irresistible combination of strawberry and dark chocolate or white chocolate. That's always a nice thing. I noticed Paul Cooper's shop had some of those the other day. And uh, that, that was actually looked quite nice. I tried one, actually. I pinched one. And it was delicious. Chocolate and, uh, and strawberries. What a good combination. Um, I did feel a bit sad at that funeral to that little girl, Katie. This is Katie Ruff. This is the schoolgirl. The reason I, I felt sad, not because it was a child's funeral, which we always feel immensely sad at, but it, it's what the, the Archbishop did, uh, the Archbishop of York. Uh, Katie Ruff was the schoolgirl found stabbed to death in a playing field, and the Archbishop of York uh, told the mourners at her funeral in York Minster, I mean, seven years old, it's just not right, is it, really? Um, but the, uh, the Archbishop, Dr John uh, Satamu, Sat, sat with the coffin all night, all night, and spoke to her and said that she's, uh, she's OK and uh, she was fine with everything. And um, it's very interesting. He said when he... She'd, she'd been to the church before, he said, and she'd asked me the way to the toilet. He said, I think she thought I was the cleaner, which is quite sweet. But he, he sat with her, her body all night, and I think that brought great comfort to this little girl's parents because you don't like to think that somebody's there all by themselves and he sat there and he was he was speaking um speaking to her all night and I thought that was such a nice thing some people do that so well and he obviously does some things like that very very well indeed uh, well done to a council here on the middle of a sports field you know where they've got goalposts and everything they planted a tree in the middle of the goal this is Aberdeenshire council and um, they uh, they apologised. Um, around a dozen saplings have appeared on the sports ground, which is well used for a kickabout and by a local school for PE classes and sports days. Uh, Stephen Jaffrey, bookings clerk of the pitch near Invury in Aberdeenshire, said the trees were planted with no consultation from the council. He said we're as baffled as anybody. Um, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, normally we'd have welcomed the planting of trees in an appropriate area in the park, like round the edges, but not on the football pitch. 
Aberdeenshire Council apologised, and a spokeswoman said the plan was to turn over part of the area for biodiversity, as anecdotally it was rarely used. She said it would seem we were barking up the wrong tree. A sense of humour in Aberdeenshire they have. So they're literally right in front of the goal where these kids play. They planted a sapling. I mean, you'd have to, I mean surely the person who planted it would look round and go, looks like a football pitch to me. Sorry, looks like a foot. Oh, doesn't, I can't do the accent. Anyway, uh, so they have to avoid it at the moment. The trees will stay put until the new plans have been agreed with the community. So in other words, they're so stupid councils, aren't they? So in other words, uh, we know it's a bit stupid planting them in the middle of the football pitch. But until we've actually agreed on the biodiversity and where we're going to be placing the aforementioned saplings, we're leaving them there. So the things are going to take root and they'll dig them up again. Oh, blimey, honestly. Evil Knievel. Many of you will never have heard of Evil Knievel. Uh, he was the motorbike daredevil, and uh, he used to have a very famous uh, white and star-spangled leather jumpsuit. Uh, he died aged ago. He used to leap over buses and leap over all sorts of things. I always thought he was mad as a barrel load of frogs. You know, take your life in your hands every time. But uh, they're actually selling uh, this jumpsuit. He wore it on his record leap over 50 crushed cars in Los Angeles. <laughs> Just your average day on the freeway. And so he leapt over. They reckon it's going to fetch £63,000. Very sweaty, I should imagine. I mean, leather's quite sort of clinging, isn't it, really? His diamond-studded walking stick is also in the sale, priced at £13,500. He died in 2007. So obviously people leave it a while, then they go, we've got these things. It's like, I often I wonder about that, and I worry about it as well. You've got stuff that you save, throughout your life because you think that's sort of relevant to you and you probably all do it little little treasures but when you pass on to that great big cloud in the sky and I've already booked my place thank you very much indeed you know will people come into your place and go oh throw that out you go no don't if you're watching don't throw that out that's really valuable that's a little keepsake don't don't throw it out and off it goes in the skip I think that's what happens in a lot of cases and so people's treasures vanish and then years later they turn up and people go, look what I've just found, like we did the other day. The World War II fighter aces flying helmet turned up in a, in a sale in America. In America. And you think, well, how does it get over there? And the answer is, it would have been bought by somebody who then, you know, will sell it to somebody in America and they'll put it in a sale without realising. You know, I only ever bought a, a Valentine present once, says Andy. My now ex-wife didn't like her Breville sandwich toaster. It uh, it uh, apparently must have been the wrong colour. Yes, a Breville sandwich toaster. Actually, I used to love Breville sandwich toasters because you could... Toasted sandwiches, so hot but so delicious at the same time. Always with cheese and pickle or a bit of ham or a bit of potato inside there, making like a samosa kind of thing. Nice to have you company. It's Tuesday the 14th of Feb. Happy Valentine's Day. I know, nothing arrived. I know, nothing. You'll be sitting there waiting for the postman. He'll look at your house... And then he'll walk straight. He'll just carry on. I won't get any postcards or anything. I've had a couple here at work, which is very sweet. Normally, I expect photographs or something like that. Or, you know, an old ten shilling note would be quite nice. But uh, somebody somewhere will be receiving barrel loads of flowers and it'll be all romantic and wonderful and, and very exciting. So as you're going to spend six billion pounds today, you might as well jump on the bandwagon. Uh, the Met chief says we can't find enough armed officers and the towns with the fly tipping problem. It's getting worse. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. I don't like getting into the commercialisation of it, but I can't help it. I'm kind of sort of strangely drawn into it. Strangely drawn. I like the uh, the piece in the paper today that was looking at Donald Trump, a memo he sent out with bad spelling. 
It was two with T-O, and it should have been T-double-O. You'd thought he'd have known that. And Really? Theresa May's... Oh, dear. well, we don't worry about that kind of thing. Everybody does that wrong, don't they? You try spelling Shami Chakrabarti, as many people do in the papers, and uh, she still gets it wrong all the time. The over-50s are the fittest in the paper. That's what they say today. Ken Loach blasting David Beckham for greed, saying, listen, you've been a top-class footballer. People like you. Just get over yourself. You know, you don't need a knighthood. You've got this OBE, but obviously, you know, as Dave made a big, uh, big thing about it, that's why he looks so miserable everywhere, doesn't he? He obviously doesn't like being told. He obviously becomes like a petulant child. You know, I'm sorry, Dave, you're not as great as you maybe think you are, said one of the papers the other week. And, uh, and they, they sort of trying to knock him off his perch. But he doesn't care. He just sort of happily goes on a plane, gets off a plane. What do they talk about? on that? Do you think he sits there with his music on or something? I was watching that programme the other day. It's an old one, actually. And it was called um, My Millionaire Dads. And it was the two gay guys who've uh, got three... Could be four children, actually. I can't remember, actually, how many it was. But they were moving to America because they didn't like the publicity they got in this country. So they said, at least in America, uh, we'll be anonymous. So they make a television programme about them moving to America. Like, the Americans don't have television and won't have seen this kind of thing. So it was the... And it's the girl... Saffron, who didn't want to go, originally she said, I want to finish my, my schooling. At the end, she said, uh, the, the, the caption came up and it said, Saffron did move to America with the family. So they're over there in wherever it is they've, uh, they've gone to. But no doubt they'll be back. They lived in Essex and, um, and they had their, their children. And I think then they, they've obviously got some company, but I can't remember what it is that they do. But I thought, if you're trying to do something and be anonymous, why are you making a television programme? Very odd. Uh, 100 yobs in Battle of Weatherspoons. It started in a f- over a fight with three people. Dreadful, isn't it, really? Um, uh, Lionel Blair came as he's won his cancer battle. He's 88, is Lionel Blair. 88. I mean, it's 88. Obviously, must be something about um, sort of a life of dancing, mustn't there, really? 88. That is amazing. And uh, that poor little rich girl, the boar that we had the other day, you know, the Scottish girl who won a million pounds four years ago. She's still droning on about it. Give it a rest, please. Nobody cares. The fact that you claim that Camelot ruined your life, as somebody said in the end of the interview, well, give the money away then. She went, nah. I think that means no. And uh, nah. N-A-H, I think it's spelt. But uh, it doesn't mean... It, it means that she's not going to give away the uh, the money. Don't know why. Moaned about it, you know, till the cows come home. I think, obviously, she's found some sort of agent who thinks that, you know, if you really want to get you know, up the public's nose, write rubbish about winning the lottery. Most people would be very grateful winning a million pounds. Had they had the intelligence, you know, they probably would have done it differently. She sort of spent loads of money and then moaned about it. You know, almost sort of decrying people who go to the Maldives on holiday because you can't get drunk in the Maldives. It's probably the fact that they didn't want to serve her. Perhaps they didn't like her. I don't know. She was only 17, wasn't she? So perhaps they had a, an age policy or something. But, of course, she was bored with buying, buying designer clothing. We went through this palaver the other day, and every programme, I think, on LBC has actually done something on it, saying, basically, you know, how ungrateful do you have to be? You're not doing yourself any favours at all here. You're just going to be known as some moaning old Mary. It's like the people who watch the television, and they call it Gogglebox or Googlebox or whatever it happens to be. It's all very dreary. Uh, Spencer Matthews takes a swipe at uh, Bradley Wiggins. Can't imagine why, as Bradley Wiggins has got more talent in his little toe than poor old Spencer Steroid Matthews has got in his entire body. I mean, really, that television career is going nowhere at all. Four tablespoons of olive oil a day keeps your heart healthy. What, is that... I don't know if that's in cooking or if you just take four tablespoons of oil. What did, we used to have cod liver oil when we were kids. But for the life of me, I can't remember why we had it. Cod liver oil. Ooh, it's horrid. 
I can't remember why we had cod liver oil, but it was a standard thing for kids. You'd open up the medicine cabinet uh, and there was that bottle of cod liver oil. And uh, you might go, right, spoonful of cod. Oh, dear. But I don't know why we had it. So when they when they say olive oil to keep your heart healthy, what have we got here? This is um, this is cod liver oil is the right kind of fat eating the right kind of this is like omega three. I think I've seen fish fingers which have got omega three and or something like that. It's apparently very good uh, for people with rheumatoid arthritis. Apparently they actually tested people in uh, in Germany, I think. Also age related macular degeneration. This is uh, eye problems and we all get eye problems. We get a bit older. You don't have to wear glasses. Coronary artery disease. Come by me. I'm surprised my parents gave this to it. Repairing wounds. Apparently, uh, one study assessed the effects of topically applying cod liver oil ointment on wounds using a hairless mouse ear wound model. These poor mice, honestly, they must sit there dreading somebody lighting up a cigarette. Uh, Also, cognitive performance and uh, identified uh, in a study, which you probably read, called the Journal of Neurology, Neurosurgery and Psychiatry. And the authors concluded that vitamin D may play a key role in maintaining good brain function in old age. Whole book to tell you that. I've just told you it in one line. Tuberculosis. Cod liver oil could be an effective treatment option for tuberculosis. So that's good. And uh, so in other words, there seem to be quite a lot of things that cod liver oil is good for. But I haven't taken it for years. Perhaps I should start taking it again. I don't like to. I don't. I don't think they actually apply to it. I don't know why. Perhaps my parents thought that I had well, wounds. Wounds. And also because it was something you took, it's like we used to take in the winter a Halliborange tablet. And that was to sort of ward off coughs and colds and wheezes and stuff like that. And that sort of worked. I don't remember us having too many colds in the winter. And actually, since I've had the, the flu jab, which I get regularly every year, I, I like to make sure I get it. Well, if I do get it every year. Uh, I haven't had a bad cold. I used to get, perhaps now the body's worked out how it's supposed to be used, because I used to get quite ill with the flu jab. And people would say to me, well, I could guarantee I'd get the flu jab, then I'd lose my voice or something like that. So I, I sort of kind of gave up. But then somebody said, no, you've got to keep on with, with the flu jab. So I did. And now I don't get a cold, which is good. Cod liver oil was given to kids to fight colds and flu. There you go. You see, that was obviously the cheap option. Nowadays, you know, the first sign of a cough and a cold, you immediately go to the medicine cabinet and open it up and discover, my God, which one works? The answer, none of them. None of them work. Otherwise, it'd just be one. And so you go for something and they get... There was that advert on the television, you know, where that bloke called Malcolm went, of course you can, bub. And and Malcolm had sort of a cough and cold and so he was advised to take this. And then there was, you know, Beecham's powders and then there was codeine and then there was something else and then Beecham's powders with lemon. And then there was all these other... I mean, really, you'd be just as well, really, having a little hot toddy. If we had the first sign of a cough and cold, hot milk with a spoonful of whiskey and sugar was delicious. Small wonder I drink now, but luckily I don't drink whiskey. Kind of put me off for life. But that was the thing we had because the whiskey smelt delicious in the cup and uh, with a bit of sugar in there as well. And that was, a, you know, you got a good night's sleep because then all of a sudden your nose became blocked and you were using Sinex. We didn't have Vic Sinex, though. You just had to sort of get your way through it. And we did. And we didn't have any central heating, not for ages in our house. And my mother used to open the window at night. Mad, my mother was mad. Fresh air, Stephen, really good for you. <coughs> of course it is, Mum, of course it is. Oh, terrible. So that's what it is. It's a, it's a billion-dollar industry, the cold industry. And nobody likes it. If, you know, I mean, nowadays, if you're sitting on the train and somebody next to you sneezes, 
you need to get out as quick as possible. But the trouble is they've already sneezed, so it's too late. You've already picked up whatever germs they've actually got. I hate it. Hate it. A friend of mine's got an aversion to anybody. If they're sort of uh, walking down the road in front of him and they're smoking a cigarette, we have to get past them as quick as possible. He doesn't want to pick up any germs. Uh, the violent jailbird Charles Bronson in a few of the papers say nobody's really interested in him anymore. Has asked his actress girlfriend to marry him. Apparently he's going to phone her on Valentine's Day. Like we care. Like we care. Uh, the decorator. He hasn't learnt this, this decorator. I do, I do worry about the fact that if you sign a contract, you buy a house. This is the posh estate. We did this story... Pfft, month ago on LBC, where the estate was, and it happens on a lot of new estates, they do not allow you to park your works vehicle, if it's emblazoned up with logos, the white van, brigade and all that kind of thing, outside your house. They don't want you parking there because people are spending a lot of money on a house. They don't want to live next to, effectively, a building site. And so this particular bloke thought he was being clever and ignored it. He's racked up £5,300 worth of fines. And it looks highly likely they're going to take him to court, in which cases he's been named in the papers as well. He's, you know, it's not going to do his business much use, is it, really? He, should, he shouldn't have parked on there. He said, oh, it's these snobby people. But he signed it. He, he actually signed this, this agreement, which said that you didn't have vans of his size on an estate like that. They're trying to maintain some sort of class. And as 99% of houses being built now do not come with garages... That was a funny. In fact, there was a thing a short while ago. They they did a piece on the television, and I was intrigued by it because I was always fascinated by, you know, what constitutes a garage and what doesn't. And the this woman bought bought a garage with her house, but it didn't fit the car. She couldn't get the car in, and she didn't have a particularly big car. And so she went back to the builders and the house house builders and said, "Listen, I can't get my car in the garage. The only way she could get out of her car is by climbing out of the back window." That was the only way she could get in and out. And they said, but having a garage does not mean necessarily you can park a car in it. It's just a name for a structure. Whereas I thought garage, car. But a lot of people convert their garages to another room. And that's what people do nowadays. Because you very rarely see people putting the car in the garage, do you? Honey and lemon, the best homemade, says Dean. Yes, I mean, I, I would say exactly the same. Some manuka honey, uh, you know dissolved in a, in a cup of hot water and and some lemon or turmeric's very good little little bit of tur- not huge amount of turmeric just a little bit of turmeric a little bit of turmeric you're listening to a podcast from lbc morning everybody uh, nice to have your company it's 20 minutes past six so uh, will you be may valentine this was a hoax that uh, that really it's not difficult to fool people is it as we discovered with john culshaw when he got through to number 10 Downing Street uh, all those years ago. But here is one who made that uh, made uh, Theresa May's top team think that Donald Trump was sending her flowers for Valentine's Day. And the hoax was so simple. And I suppose, actually, the best hoaxes are the most successful ones if they're very simple. This is a, a comic called Hayden Prowse, who rang number 10, claiming to be working for the US president. He said uh, Mr Trump wanted to send the Prime Minister her favourite flowers as a special February the 14th gift. In a taped call, Prowse claimed to be Jeff Arnold, an assistant to the White House Press Secretary, Sean Spicer. During a six-minute exchange, an unidentified female, number 10 aide, told him she would look into the flowers and call him back. So he gave his British mobile number, but she failed to twig calling back a short time later to say, can I check who the gift is coming from? He said, it's essentially from Mr Trump, but Sean Spicer is organising it. She said, ah, yes, I see. Fantastic. OK, my hunch is hydrangeas. 
not the most not the most original thing. Uh, Mr. Prowse says, OK, what we'll also do is we'll send over a lovely card with a picture of Mr. Trump uh, grabbing, <laughs> grabbing Theresa May's to whatever. And um, and uh, and then says, please pass Mr. Trump's regards on to Theresa, because uh, really, he's such a, a lovely man. And he has such a lovely time with her. He just wants to pass that on. OK. And the aide says, of course, I'll certainly relay that message. Spokesman for number 10 declined to comment. They need to sort out who, who gets through. It's like, you know, years ago, there was um, an Australian radio presenter and uh, he thought he was being really clever by phoning up uh, Buckingham Palace to see if he could get through to the Queen. And and the reason that it, it sort of went a bit pear-shaped was he sort of got through and he went, oh, hi, is, uh, can I speak to Her Majesty? And the persons at the other end of the phone at Buckingham Palace said, uh, unfortunately not. And he said, oh, well, why, why, why would that be? And uh, and so he said, well, she's just n- not available. Oh, right. Well, she doesn't take phone calls from people. No, no, no. She's actually on an official visit. Oh, where would that be to mate? Uh, and they went Australia. And the fact the Queen was doing an official visit to Australia, but this poor presenter had no idea. Made him look very silly, very silly. But there was also the Australian presenter who called the hospital, if you remember, and that and that nurse ended up committing suicide. And this was, again, because people play these hoaxes. And in fact, the two Australians in America, uh, sorry, in Australia, do you remember, they actually did something. What did they, was that that one? That one, was this two, the, the nurse who committed suicide and took her out? That's right, it was the these two people, a royal prank call. And what they did, they actually broke the the law. You can't just phone somebody up on air. You have to say to somebody, I'm phoning you from a radio station. You're broadcasting live on air. And at which point most people put the phone down. And this this was in 2012. And then Jacintha uh, took the call from these radio hosts. They, They pretended to be the Queen and Prince Charles and inquired about the condition of the Duchess of Cambridge. And so she passed on information. I mean, it was it was all the whole thing was just a terrible tragedy from start to finish. And it sort of effectively finished a few uh, a few careers and questions were asked. But it, it does seem to be that people like prank calls, don't they? I don't know why. We've had this bloke on the television recently. They're calling him Britain's greatest hoaxer. I can't help feeling that British, uh, his, his, his ego must be about the size of his shoe size, I should imagine, because he seems to like a title. He's not Britain's greatest hoaxer at all. Britain's greatest hoaxer was the one who managed to sell London Bridge to people years ago. In fact, I think it's been sold about three times. People sell things, you know, just sort of fooling somebody by turning up as a rocking rabbi. You know, on a television programme. Actually, there used to be a radio presenter called Peter Young, who was the rocking rabbi. He was, I remember, I don't even know if he's still with us, actually. I hope so. Uh, Codliver Royal, says Barry, has vitamin D, which stops rickets. We used to have it every day at school in the 50s. Imagine lining up. It was so much easier when Mary Poppins did it, wasn't it, really? And if I won the lottery, says Philip in Bournemouth, I won't be complaining. I plan on living off the interest, maybe indulge myself with one of my millions and invest the rest. It could definitely change my life. Oh, wait, absolutely. But that's the whole idea, isn't it? You want the lottery to change your life. There's no point in saying it's not going to change me. Well, give the money back. The whole idea of winning a lot of money is so that you go from, you know, whatever your life is to you know, elevated to a different position. I mean, just imagine how many roses you could buy somebody on Valentine's Day. Just imagine how many people would be interested in going out with you on Valentine's Day. You know, I'm going out with a a million... There was that poor girl, wasn't there, who married the man who won £148 million. Well, she didn't marry him. Luckily, they never got married. He bought her 30 racehorses. She's selling them. She obviously knows a good deal when she sees one. But uh, as I say, all the papers said, you know, beware of woman attracted to... Multi-millionaire lottery winner. 
a fool and his money are soon parted. So, who's got... Because the BBC, having told you that they weren't bothered about Bake Off leaving, of course they were. There were meetings and meetings upon meetings. And they're going to be putting on another programme about baking because they, uh, they've they lost the format. But uh, we couldn't work out who they were going to give it to when it when it moves over to uh, to Channel 4. We were all thinking, who, and of course, the one person who is so blatantly obvious um, to actually present the programme was Prue Leith. But I never thought of Prue Leith. And that's the name who has, um, has come out now. They hope that people will warm to. She, she knows everything that she's talking about. She's another. She's a proper foodie person. She's got a, a college in London. If you come in uh, by train to Waterloo, on the left-hand side as you're coming in, there's the Prue Leith College. Of, of, and people go there to learn how to, how to cook. Which I think is quite a nice thing, isn't it? A friend of mine did that a short while ago. He sort of he went and had a, a course in... in oh, I can't cook for toffee. There's no, there's no point in me even attempting it. It's just absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. But she's there. She's the secret weapon for the programme. So Paul Hollywood and Prue Leith is good. That's not a bad pairing at all. I think it'll be really good. You'll be seeing some really good stuff coming out of it. But the BBC is still smarting. Although Channel 4 had to pay an absolute fortune, didn't they? I mean, something like £75 million or something for this programme. Which, you know, it's, it's a bit... It's the Top Gear story all over again. We're used to seeing something on a particular channel. With Top Gear, we were used to seeing the three presenters. And it was on BBC Two. And it worked. And it was wonderful. And it was irreverent. And it made even people like me, who isn't remotely interested in cars or petrol heading or anything like that, actually interested because I liked the presentation. I liked the way they would say, but this car did more than that. This one cost more money. but it And I've, I found that quite interesting. Hasn't changed my opinion on anything else. And so when we watched the old Top Gear with Matt LeBlanc and a few assorted has-beens who popped in and then disappeared out again, I thought to myself, no, no, no. They, they never should have lost it. But, of course, the BBC, always good at wasting your money, decided to persevere. And what were they running at per programme? Was it something ludicrous, like £700,000 on one episode of Top Gear? Ghastly, ghastly waste of money. Ghastly waste of money, because it's not paid off at all. Nobody's interested. They'd rather watch the other people over on Amazon. Still to come, the story of the, the video rental shop boss. Uh, 20 years ago, he went bust. Uh, mainly because people... Um, People stop renting videos because you can go online and get the blooming things now. We used to have a video cube in Twickenham and it was a little shop, not manned by anybody. It was just automatic machines and you would go in there. I sort of joined. It was 15 quid or so, whatever it was. I can't remember. And you, you got a card and then you would put it into the machine and you would rent a video. And then you took it back the next day. And, uh, and that was how people did it. Well, nowadays, how many people you know, rent videos. And so we used to have places like Blockbuster and you'd go in there and you could rent a, a video and you could get a big barrel of popcorn and a fizzy drink and everything. And that's what people did. But nowadays, people just, you know, get it on Freeview. Uh, you can get it on Amazon Prime and all sorts of things. Now, there's different ways of getting movies. You don't need to physically go out and rent a movie at all. So we, we saw the end of those video shops. Mind you, we saw the end of Radio Rentals and Granada and places like that. People used to rent televisions, because nobody could afford to buy a television. In fact, it's the only thing, actually, that's come down in price. Televisions and videos. I mean, you could pick up a DVD player for about 20 quid. 20 quid now gets you a DVD player, which is multi-region. Anyway, this, this particular man, and um, he, he sort of went, went bust. Uh, because nobody was paying the fines for late things. So at the moment, he sent out 900 of these things saying, you owe me money. Pay me money. It's 20 years ago. One bloke can't even remember renting... Uh, films that he had. He said, I got a demand for 41 quid. He said, I thought it was a scam. So I called the police. But no, it's genuine. He wants his money back. 
He says he's owed about £29,000. The solicitor uh, uh, of Stevenson Solicitors, Matthew Holton, said courts would not enforce most debts after six years. He said it normally gives a limited amount of time. So this one's gone 20 years, so it looks likely he's not going to be getting his money. It's interesting that people are aware of the fact that scams are out there. It's happened before, hasn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I always thought I was led to believe that if you run a competition on the television uh, and on the radio, there has to be an element of skill in it. If you're charging somebody pound fifty to enter a competition as indeed uh, ITV do, I think on Tipping Point, which is that marvellously intellectual programme hosted by Benjamin Shepherd. I say marvellously intellectual, the standard of the, of the people who are actually quizzing is phenomenal. I mean, the other, I don't know whether you saw the other day, the question was, which biblical figure do Christians believe is the Son of God sent to save mankind from death and sin? And the contestant David said, pass. I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, you are, goodness sake. But anyway, so in the same programme, well, the same, you know, the same tipping point programme, the the question was on their £1.50, you know, dial in to see if you can win some money. Which of these is a popular reality TV show? Bearing in mind, there is supposed to be an element of skill to these things. Answer A, the A factor. Answer B, the M factor. C, the X factor. I mean, really, the answer is is D, none of the above, although C is is now incredibly unpopular. So, I mean, that was it. It's like saying, you know, what colour is the sky? Is it A, green, C, black, or D, blue? You know, I mean, it's, it's there's supposed to be an element of skill, and there doesn't appear to be on these things. I suppose the idea is that they want to get as many people phoning as possible, and so then it doesn't become actually a game of skill. It becomes a game of luck, whether or not they pick you out. Uh, more on the smugglers ditching drugs to cash in. Dogs. Much easier. Much easier. They do dogs now. And the sort of dogs that they're bringing in? French bulldogs. They sell for huge amounts of money. A friend of mine has got two. I can't imagine. Exa- I can't remember what he said he paid one of them. I thought it was something like, I could be wrong, £1,600. So there's, there's an awful lot of money to be made in moving these uh, dogs about and a lot of people say you know when when you see these adverts there are certain questions you have to ask because nine out of ten times you're being scammed uh they say here are the puppies kept where they were bred did they breed the puppy all of these things you should know how many were in the litter you should know these things have the pups or their parents had any health problems have the puppies been treated for worms or other parasites will the puppies be given their first vaccinations before going to their new homes have they been screened for any inherited problems known to be a problem in that breed? Do the puppies have any ID such as microchips? You know, when you go to visit, you should see the mother. As in the case of the puppies, you know, and the appalling conditions on the traveller site down in Essex. This is people who've made an awful lot of money and then basically stick two fingers up because they're, they're bringing in... Pu- if they die, they die. They don't care. Just throw them over the fence and let somebody else bother to pick them up. It's disgraceful, really. Disgraceful. And we don't seem to be doing anything about it. Surely these people should be should be put in prison, shouldn't they? But if, we, if we're one side saying we've got too many people in prison and the other side we're saying we don't put enough people in prison, what do you have to do in this country to actually go to prison? The answer is obviously quite a lot. Quite a lot. Uh, the, the, I did like the picture in the paper. A couple of papers have gone big on it. I'm not particularly big on the story. I just like the idea that a couple here uh, in America, wouldn't be in this country, have in their sitting room a buffalo. 
He is a huge buffalo. In fact, he's about as big a buffalo as you could ever find. They've, they've nurtured him since he was a calf, and so now he wanders into their, uh, into their house. He's called Wild Thing, because they're not going to argue with this thing. He has nearly killed them on a few occasions, inadvertently, because he's so big. And this uh, couple here bought him as a calf in Texas, and they said um, he, he's like a car coming through the house, but wouldn't have life any other way. We love him. He's huge. I mean, it is, it's like inviting an elephant in. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen. Uh, we need to sort out Adele and her potty mouth, which I think will be uh, something that should be on the agenda. She cannot do an interview without, without swearing. And she had to apologise to her parents the other day. I mean, surely. It's a bit like Danny Dyer. Have you ever tried doing an interview with Danny Dyer? You're bleeping left, right and centre. He's another one. You couldn't have him as Doctor Who. That would just be uh, unbelievable, wouldn't it? Unbelievable. But well done to Adele. She's, uh, she's now Mrs Konecki. And she's very rich. She's very successful. And they obviously liked her over in America, even with, I mean, how they cope with the uh, with the swearing over there. I've got uh, I've got no idea because, I mean, they're, they're horrified about most things in America. You know, the idea that somebody actually comes up with four letter words is awful. Uh, the Daily Mail revisit a story that they uh, they did 20 years ago. They revisit it. I'll let you read the uh, the front page. Uh, murderers is the headline, so I'll let you go into it yourself. The Daily Mail today, Gaga gets Grammys gasping because she turned up in an outfit that was barely there. She's got a little bit of flimsy material covering her boobs and the rest of it. But there again, as I say, I can forgive anybody after that superb performance at um, at the football. Seriously, she was, she was that good. Also, because you're sex mad, today you're going to be spending £6 billion on your day, day of love. Is it going to be worth it, though? Is it? I mean, really, do you seriously think that buying somebody a bunch of flowers is going to change anything? Probably not. Uh, the boy of ten killed in a top shop horror. That's the shop top shop. Adele of a win, but I'm sorry I beat you. And she, so she sort of, she sort of gave half of it to Beyonce, I think. Which is, which is quite a sweet thing, but as I say, it does make a mockery of these competitions. You know, she's been voted the best song, but then she goes, no, I don't think it is. I think Beyonce's was the best song. And if you remember, wasn't it Beyonce and Jay-Z? Didn't he get up and snatch away from Taylor Swift or something? He thought an award should have gone to Beyonce. And uh, I'm sure that was at an awards ceremony a little, a while, quite a while ago, actually. I think it was, I'm sure it was Jay-Z who had this sort of rant saying, no, Beyonce should have won and... You know, she was the best person. Was it not on online anywhere? Was it Beyonce? Was it somebody else? I, I remember it, it was certainly somebody who sort of took the glory away from, I think it was Taylor Swift. Um, and she had to sort of stand there while somebody said, no, that was wrong. It should have gone to uh, Beyonce or somebody like that. But anyway, they, they, are, they argue over everything now. It seems to be every single award ceremony has got people arguing. It's either that or they're anti-Trump. Somebody said the other day, can't these people just shut up? It's an awards ceremony. We're not interested in their political views. They're just there to sort of, you know, be lovies and get a clap on the back. And somebody goes, you're brilliant. We loved your film. We love your music. You know, we think you're stunning. We think you're gorgeous. Now just go and sit down again. Kanye West. Was it Kanye West? Who's he married to? Who's Kanye West married to? But he, he definitely had some rant, didn't he? He took, he took, he took the microphone away and he, he did his little thing here. And uh, this was uh, Kanye West. That's right. Beyonce had one of the best music videos. And he took the microphone from 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 Swift. And you think to yourself, for goodness sake, it was. Thank you. Will, Will Guyatt says it was uh, it was Kanye West. I mean, honestly, what a funny little man he is. What a funny little man. He was booed off the stage. But then so she's left standing there like an idiot. 
And then in the end, he sort of he, he sort of gave the, the mic back to her, but MTV cut to the commercial before she could continue. He, he was then asked to leave the venue immediately after the incident. Then he wrote an apologetic blog. Silly little man. And what's the matter with these people? That wasn't, you know, Beyonce's glory. It was, it was his. Oh, sorry, it was hers. And then people were criticising him and all the... Oh, they're so precious, aren't they? It's like, you know, David Beckham, no knighthood. <laughs> you know, you're not getting one, OK? Stop moaning about it. Just, just be grateful that you've got what you've got so far. I've just invented a sandwich, Steve, which will be very popular. Coleslaw, potato salad, cooked prawns, dash of turmeric and red chilli. Oh dear, sounds disgusting, actually. Pauline, no, do, do not, not eat that at all. T- turmeric and red chilli. Blimey. Not the kind of thing I'd be wanting to uh, eat any time soon. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. They've got the, uh, the new uh, boss of Sotheby's. And a plastic surgeon says, why I've put off my facelift at 50. What age? I mean, should you? I mean, I'm a little bit funny about facelifts. I know lots of people have them nowadays, and some people look good. And then there was uh, Jocelyn Wildenstein, otherwise known as the Bride of Wildenstein, whose cosmetic surgery just sort of completely went went off the edge. Um, desperate 999 call handlers attempted suicide amid an endemic culture of bullying at a scandal-hit ambulance service intent on hitting targets. This is terrible. Uh, they say they were running a. Uh, a boys' club which protected staff who fiddled figures and trashed the reputation of whistleblowers. My goodness, man. And charity shops are facing a rate rise. That's time to... Why do they get cheaper rates than everybody else? Just because they're a charity. Perhaps I should set up a charity. Uh, councils are considering scrapping the 20% discretionary relief. Medway Council in Kent has already introduced a 20% business rate charge for charity shops and charity-run cafes to try and halt the increasing number of such stores in High Street. You know why? Because they kill stone dead the high street. Normal businesses cannot survive when you've got... And we must have 20 charity shops. I mean, some of them are massive in Twickenham. And it's killing the high street. I applaud people for raising money for charity. But, God, in between those and the chuggers and the, and the cafes they've got and everything else, you know, there are no shops on the high street. You don't find any of these places in the shopping centres, do you? You don't find a sort of a hospice shop or, you know, whoever it is sitting in the middle of a shopping centre because they don't get it. But on the high street, they get, uh, I think, free window cleaning as well. What for? These places turn over hundreds of millions of pounds. These charities are rich. It's only the little tiny charities which used to be like that. But nowadays, everything's barcoded. You go into a charity shop. Have you ever go in there and go, um, is that shirt 10 pence? And they go, no, it's three pounds. You go, well, why is it not 10 pence? Somebody's donated it to you because we're running a business. That's what we're doing. Ridiculous. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 7. Nick Ferrari with you after the news at 7. I'm Steve Allen with you until 7. If you're in a police lineup, and they used to just go out onto the streets years ago, they would sort of uh, say, oh, looking for somebody about your kind of height and everything else. They say that the best thing is shut your eyes and hope for the best. Because what you do is you stand there. And, and I only say it because I've seen it on the television or on, on news programmes. <laughs> I wasn't aware they even did it anymore, but they appear to. Uh, these police lineups where they go and get sort of eight to ten people. They're looking for somebody in particular. And, uh, and the, the person who has been accused of the crime is mixed in with you. The person who is looking for that person is behind one-way glass. So they then go... Because th- otherwise, if, they, if you heard them talking, they're going, that one looks... You go, I'm, I'm sorry, I was just doing some shopping, actually. I just went to, uh, to Subway to get uh, six inches of heaven. And uh, I've sort of come, come back and I've found myself in a police lineup. And so they say, close your eyes and hope for the best. That's the best thing. Talking of hoping for the best, do you remember that sad story we did 
over a couple of days now on LBC, of the uh, the mum and dad. This is Julian Mike Bennett from the Wirral, who, who both died of cancer. He was uh, 57, she was 50, and they both died within a week of each other. They were very ill, they were in the final stages. But uh, the tragedy is for these children that they leave behind, and there are three of them. This is Oliver, Hannah and Luke. Uh, they've lost not just their father, but their mother as well, or their mother and their father. They've lost both, both parents. And so there was a, a page set up for them to help raise some money. And on day one, it had uh, £15,000. It's now reached, so far, £170,000. Now, you might think that, you know, £170,000 is a lot of money. They don't have any parents. I realise that there's lots of demands on people nowadays to help people but they don't have anything they, they'll probably go and have to go and live with family but they've got to come to terms with that 170,000 is nothing I mean there's every indication that it's going to go much much higher as we seem to be touched as a nation by really really sad stories because you can only equate it to yourself thinking I hope that never happens to me at all and so 170,000 pounds and rising for these three children what they're going to do with it I don't know I don't know how they're going to survive. The kids are now 13, 18 and 21. They want to continue in full-time education and they think that money will will help them. Uh, but, uh, but tragic to lose both parents. I mean, really, absolutely an absolute tragedy. And um, also the front page of The Times today. Uh, Give police marksmen a break, says the Met Chief. This is uh, They're calling for greater protection for firearms officers and warnings of a shortfall in the number of marksmen needed to combat the terrorism threat. I mean, we, they've done this on LBC so many times. Would you like to see more armed police on the streets? And I remember going to Vienna years ago, 20 years ago, and getting off the plane, and first time I'd ever seen armed police officers at the airport. And it was considered quite normal. Now you get off the plane here in London and you see armed police officers. I'd be more than happy to see armed police officers on the street. The only time you see them, really, is when they're doing something, you know, involving the royal family or there's a, a state visit or something. I mean, when Trump comes over, there will be armed police officers on the street, plus all of his security. And you do see them. And I don't, I don't think it's anything unusual. In fact, I did meet somebody down at the Mall, a police officer, and he was, uh, he was part of an armed response unit. And you just, I just take it for granted now. I feel a lot, lot safer knowing that they're out there. But, you know, they really are. They're goaded at every opportunity. It's, uh, it's really quite, uh, quite, quite dreadful. So that's the front page of The Times. The Daily Telegraph. Oh, we've done The Daily Telegraph. I'm just reading the wrong piece of paper here. I'm getting a bit excited about the whole thing. Uh, front page of the Financial Times. Brussels gearing up for the high stakes challenge to the US border tax plan. Trump and Trudeau meet in Washington. And uh, the other story they're running with is the co-op bank sale, which marks the last-ditch push to salvage a future for ethical lender. Uh, they've got about four million customers, I think. They're selling the whole lot. Uh, who it would go to, I don't know. Latest in a series of drastic measures to save the bank, which has been blighted by problems since their takeover in 2009 of Britannia Building Society. And then... The lenders also came under fire in 2013 when the former chairman was embroiled in a sex and drug scandal. So they're uh, so they're they're up in sticks and selling. Who'll buy it remains to be seen. Uh, front page of the Guardian. They're doing this um, this top dog story again. Britain's most popular pooch, but all it will do is just encourage sick people who don't mind cheating people uh, with these French bulldogs. They're lovely. They're very nice indeed. They're quite powerful. They're not hugely hugely big. 
but they are the most wanted pooch at the moment. It's overtaken the Labrador. At one time, people wanted Labradors, or labs as they call them. And I quite like a chocolate Labrador. Uh, and a friend of mine has got two of these uh, French Bulldogs. And very nice they are too. Very nice. But uh, they're just so expensive. And where an expensive pooch arrives on the scene, unscrupulous uh, dealers and breeders will try and get as many into the country as possible because the, the sort of people who are going to buy them, in many cases, are not the sort of people who are remotely bothered about where it's come from, whether it's chipped, whether it's got a mother that's available to be sick. They're not in, they just want the dog. That's it. They want the dog. You see, it's like people buying... It was a dog, wasn't there, in the paper the other day? And I think it's a Staffy in America. And this one had been found wandering the streets. And so they took it into the animal shelter. And the woman who works in the animal shelter uh, has adopted it. This thing can't leave her alone. It sleeps with her in the bed. It cuddles her. It's literally... It's become so, so devoted to this, uh, to this lady who adopted it. It's almost quite touching. I think it's gone viral on the internet, on YouTube, they've got photographs of this dog because it was, you know, dogs are very grateful, very grateful. And there's so many people who abandon them in this country. And it's mainly staffies. You go to Battersea Cat and Dog's Home. The, well, last time I went there, it was mainly, mainly staffies. It's terrible. Uh, Rob says, Steve, ID lineups use a database to select people and the witness watches a DVD when they view the parade. Oh, right, you think? I thought they actually did it live now. What, they actually do a, a video... Oh, right. Oh, dear. I'd want to make sure my hair was straight or something like that. I don't look sort of unnecessary. I'm not sure this is the best outfit. You know, can't I look thinner or something like that? Because they're going out there looking for sort of fat over 40s, you know, with not much hair. I'm kind of marked. I'm kind of stuck straight away. They go, oh, right, you'll, you'll, you'll fit the, uh, the thing. I used to love all that kind of stuff, though, years ago. That was what they call old-fashioned policing, wasn't it, in this country? That was very old-fashioned uh, policing, I think. Uh, the sun as well, apart from the, the bake-off, and it's going to be, they think it's going to be Prue Leith. I mean, whether or not it is actually going to be Prue Leith, I don't know. But I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think she would be the ideal person. Uh, they're also talking about uh, Donald Trump's national security adviser, not in the papers this morning, because he hadn't actually quit then. Michael Flynn has resigned after claims that he misled the administration. And that was over his uh, talks with Russia and uh, retired Lieutenant General Joseph Kellogg has been offered the role. So there you go. We were trying to find out whether or not there was a link between him and the and the Kellogg family. It turns out we think not. Which is a bit disappointing, because it's such an iconic name, isn't it, in uh, in America. Uh, more on the uh, the money raised for these, uh, these three orphans now, as their mum and dad died. And um, going hell for weather. This is the people who rioted in a Weatherspoons. I don't know what sort of people would riot, but uh, three of them started a fight and then somebody was glassed and, and just went from bad to worse. And a hundred people in the end, but only a, only a few arrests in Trowbridge in Wiltshire. I mean, you'd think actually a place like Trowbridge sounds, sounds quite nice, doesn't it, really? Is it really? Oh, is it not? Oh, right. You're from Wiltshire. Oh, right. Producers from Wiltshire. Is it Trowbridge? That sounds quite nice. Do they have sort of... North Wiltshire is rubbish, dear, honestly. God, we're going to get into so much trouble for that one, aren't we? I do apologise if you're in North Wiltshire. It must be dreadful for you. And uh, perhaps try and save up a little bit more and move to south, you know, of Wiltshire. Because I used to live in Berkshire, and I quite like Berkshire, but that's changed beyond all, all shadow of a doubt. I mean, it's almost unrecognisable now. People just don't seem to be as proud of things as they, as they should be. 
Well, I think they should be. I think we should be proud of the country, especially today being St Valentine's Day. Thank you so much. I hope you have a romantic day. I hope you buy flowers and chocolates and support your local florists, because once they've gone, it'll be another blooming charity shop. And we do get so many charity shops nowadays. And uh, hopefully, once the council see sense and put the, uh, the rates up, it's not like they can't afford it. They're not paying the staff in the shops. Most of them are little old ladies who volunteer to go in there and they get the pick of the stuff. But it's all barcoded now. Everything is, uh, oh God, Will we'll, we'll Guyot is from Trowbridge. You see, I mean, now we get the truth. Now we get the truth. Although the good news is he's moved. So there you go. House prices uh, sink. Uh, I was talking to my, um, my driver this morning and he moved from, he was in Stratford in London. But uh, he said it's become quite expensive, Stratford, because it's got Westfield and all that kind of thing. And he's moved to Dagenham. Where it's, it's, I mean, it's sort of, I was going to say it's an area that's sort of up and coming, probably in about 50 years' time. And, um, and he, he paid 140000 I think, for a house, 170000 for a three, four bedroom house. It's now worth about 350000 So I said, well, that's actually really good value. I said, because in Twickenham, a two bedroom flat, £700,000. You know, and he went, seven, I said, yeah, I know, it's ludicrous. You know, you need to win the lottery nowadays or come from Trowbridge uh, to actually afford anything. Because it's just so expensive. Thank you for your company. Enjoy Valentine's Day. I hope you get everything. I really hope you get everything. Don't forget, you can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download that free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Lead Britain's conversation at 10. It's James O'Brien. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. But before that, for breakfast, Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.